Hey everyone, welcome to the Single Player Experience Podcast, the premier podcast for single player gamers to find out about good single player games to play and, you know, just have fun discussions, deep dive episodes into the dope games that we do play. And that's what we're going to do today because we're going to talk about all things Horizon Forbidden West, The Burning Shores, the DLC pack that came out semi-recently to PlayStation 5, and we're going to give all of our deep dive opinions on that. But I know you notice if you're watching on video that I am not alone in this nature because you already know he is part of the Pro Nerd fam. He's part of the single player experience fam. We like to have him on as much as we possibly can. You know, I absolutely adore this guy he's his views in gaming you know whether or not we agree on everything or not they are always well founded always backed i always like having him on the podcast ladies and gentlemen my special guest today is none other than alejandro the x button himself segovia how you doing today how you doing, Sebastian? Glad to be here once again for the monthly check-in. Yeah, like, like, sure. like, 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 like calling it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It's almost mm-hmm. like a doctor's appointment. You know, the oh, yeah. <laughs> the monthly check-ins to like dissect our favorite or not favorite video games. So I like that. I like that. So, you know, before we dive into the the topic of the show, which is Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores, we'll just say Burning Shores because that, mm-hmm. that title's getting a little long. But yeah. what have you been playing lately? So recently, uh, I reviewed Jedi Survivor uh, for Season Gaming. You can check my review over there at SeasonGaming.com. And as I'm waiting for the big game coming this Friday, uh, for everyone that wants to know, we're recording the week of uh, that ends on Friday the 12th, which is when The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is coming out. Mm-hmm. I'm playing an older one. I'm actually going through The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. Uh, Wind from Waker. Okay. The GameCube version, because for some reason, Nintendo just refuses to put out the HD version they want released on Wii U on Switch. No, I had to like dust off my old Wii, put like I had to get like an HDMI converter so I could play like if I could play it in its original form and yes, there is Dolphin emulators. I am one that likes the original experience, mm-hmm. like the original pure experience, so that's how I'm playing it. Uh, I'm in a few early hours in. I want to see if I can get it done before this Friday. But then other than that, that has been just my two games. Like my week was literally all dominated by Jedi Survivor. I beat it, I reviewed it, and I even got a platinum trophy out of it. That's how knee deep I went into that game. But I'm gonna save any conversation about Jedi Survivor for future consideration in this podcast until you uh play it. Yeah, <laughs> like until, it, I, to completion. Yeah, until I've played it to completion. Yeah. Um I wanna ask you, um, so we did a deep dive into mm-hmm. um Jedi you know, Jedi Fallen Order and and back then, you you know, you told me that you had played that that game almost mm-hmm. to death, and to the mm-hmm. point to where like you played it. Well, I want to say what three or four times through. Yeah, three or four times. I played on them twice on <laughs> PS4 and PS5. The Fallen Order one. So. Do you feel like you're going to do the same with Jedi Survivor? I mean, it'll be harder to play it twice to play on it twice because uh, we only got a next gen version. This is like only the current gen PS5 version for that one. Like, I wouldn't mind doing it personally because it was a really damn good game. So, yeah. Yeah, but, but you, I'm, I'm you, satisfied. Would you, see, would you see yourself playing it for like on the Xbox side of thing to get all the achievements or on the Steam thing to get all the Steam? Tr- tr- I, c- I can see myself doing that on Xbox, uh, but mm-hmm. wait more until I get an Xbox Series X because I've seen the S version of that game and it's a really pretty game that i don't want to like compromise in a way so i'm gonna <laughs> wait until i get that eventually and the good thing is that with ea games uh, especially when you're on xbox mm-hmm. eventually because due to ea play they put all their games through ea play that you get 
with Game Pass Ultimate. So eventually it's going to become free there. Yeah. I don't mind doing another run. That's how much I liked it. So. Yeah, I imagine um, it took a little while um, for Jedi, uh, Jedi, what, Fallen Order Fallen to Order. get there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was um, you know, confusing the names for a second. But yeah, it took a little while for it to get there. But eventually you got there. And, you know, I played it, replayed that on Game Pass um, semi-recently mm-hmm. before we did our deep dive impressions mm-hmm. and really enjoyed my time with it again. I, I can yeah. definitely see myself wanting to play this on another console. Yes, and I can't wait for you to fully beat Jedi Survivor whenever that happens. I would I would think you'll probably get through it within this week, let's just say. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so much to talk about. Uh, me and my buddy Paul were at the Xbox, and uh, we both beat it around the same time, and we actually recorded uh, a, a spoiler-free and spoiler-filled episode just talking about that game, which turned out to be our 100th episode for the Xbox. And so it all lined up so perfectly. It was like right on our anniversary, which we started back in 2021 on May the 4th, we oh, got to re- we we got to record a podcast dedicated to a Star Wars game on May the fourth. It was like I can't think of more perfect cir- circumstances for both of us to have been able to cover that game. So check that out if you want to see like what my current full thoughts are after having reviewed that game and talking about spoiling a lot of the stuff from that story. <laughs> so. That's super sweet. So currently, you know, um, outside of remakes, is that your game of the year? Yeah, easy. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, uh, how how I said to Paul is like, if I want to be like objective, what's like the best game that has come out this year without like any asterisks? You could probably say it's still Resident Evil 4, just okay. like on Polish and the full package and all that. Because uh, Jedi Survivor is like, especially if you've been noticing anything about that game online, you probably heard that there's been some technical difficulties that game has had, especially on the on the PC side. The console side is like has been cleaner, but it's not been. Yeah. Uh, as a super smooth experience, I know you told me that you early on like suffered some crashing and like the, the performance was like all jittery. He said, yes, those problems are there. This is the rare game where I tell, especially on console, uh, it's such a good experience that eventually you, you're you going to forget about those uh, technical issues. It, it's that, That's how good everything is about that game. So, yeah, so yeah. I'm eager to dive more into it. Um, what else are you playing right now? Other than the, the things that I mentioned, it's just that because I just... I'm thankful that it seems that all the big games that I wanted to play this year are all done. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I finished Forspoken, I finished Dead Space, I finished Hi-Fi Rush, I finished Hogwarts Legacy, I finished uh, Resident Evil uh, 4 Remake, uh, I finished uh, Burning Shores, which was right... I finished it right before Jedi Survivor, so mm-hmm. everything that I really cared about is that has been done, and the only game that I let go was Atomic Heart. So, I'm glad that it, it feels like... I've been more diligent because I cr- created a bigger backlog last year when Elden Ring was happening because all those games that, ha- that came after Elden Ring, which was like uh, Stranger of Paradise, uh, Ghostwire Tokyo, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, Kirby, uh, Lego Star Wars, Skywalker Saga, all those games kind of piled up. I bought all of them and, 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 and I finished, I sporadically finished them like I did recently with Lego Star Wars earlier this year. So I feel more responsible, but also <laughs> thankfully none of these games have been that long. No, so, no, yeah. all curated like shorter experiences. Yeah. The only one that was a little long was Hogwarts, but that one at least kept my interest to some extent because I know mm-hmm. that you were, you and Paul were a little harder on it than I was. Yeah, you had you had your reasons, but that's been like the only long game that I can think of because um, we come from like the era, like just in years past. How many long ass open worlds? I'm oh, glad that we're getting yeah we're getting more like digestible stuff without feeling shortchanged. That's been like the sweet spot for me. So. 
Yeah, it's, it, I completely agree with you. It's been, um, we've lived, been in an era of like these big, large open worlds where like sometimes they hit just just the right amount. And then a lot of the times we're a little like left lacking, especially when it comes to like May, uh, you know, I don't want to throw shade on like Ubisoft, but a lot of the Ubisoft style games. Yeah, kinda... they, those are the big offenders recently. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's been interesting. It's been an interesting year in gaming to where like, you know, the AAA space is very much like dominated this year's mm -hmm. narratives. Like last oh, year, yeah. the indies had a lot of chance to shine and, and really break through. But yeah, you know. if it feels like if you remember the period from January to March of last year, mm -hmm. that the exact same kind of like cadence of bing, 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 bangs uh, that we got very early last year, it's starting now. But what happened from uh, January to March was also really strong. So it, it's like it has carried a, lo a longer string of like quality, I would say, in 2023 than it was back in 2022. Because all the big stuff happened super early and then we got like the big droughts afterwards, which were carried by the indie scene. If you're looking for new stuff once that drought hit, this feels like, man, we were eating good already. And now like the big hits are happening. It's like that's... I, I can't imagine another year is going to be like this, <laughs> like it current, like it currently is. So no, no. And the crazy thing is, I'm like, I as of this recording, like there's rumors that later on in the month of May we'll get a PlayStation showcase, and I'm excited. Yeah. Hey, do you remember when was the last one? I may I, I mentioned it in our chat. Mm -hmm. It was back in September 9th, 2021, or September 8th. It wasn't one of those days. And for our buddy Paul, it's like I always like to him to throw him so he could picture how long it's been, he was sheltering from Hurricane Ida because he was in Louisiana when that hurricane hit. That it was crazy. like, it, yeah, it was their uh, Katrina 2.0, basically. So that's why I always tell him, it's like, the last show has happened when you were sheltering and you were just getting out of sheltering from that hurricane. So that's how long ago it was. So, Yeah, that is crazy. Um, it, it's going to be really intriguing to see how um, what games are announced because I am excited. Do you have any early predictions? So right now that the big thing with Sony is that now they're they're hitting at a point when uh, their barrel is practically empty, mm -hmm. at least from and there's only like one indie game that we were talking about, Little Devil Inside. That was like from that early uh, the future of gaming show because it did in June 2020 when they revealed the console. That's when we got Forbidden West, Miles Morales, and like the, the big initial wave of announcements is like now other than that indie that I feel like shouldn't get any more airtime to me personally. It feels like <laughs> uh, it feels like. It lost his window. It's like the most Sony should give that one unless they're like on a strict contract that they have to promote it to hell or high water. Is that leave it to the PlayStation block when they finally have a release date. They already hogged space on a showcase. They hogged space in the state of play back in 2021. It's still not out. It's like your time is up. New stuff. I want all new stuff and I want to see how much that showcase mixes the tried and true single player stuff that we love from Sony. Mm -hmm. Plus all the live service games that we know they're working on. That yeah. they said that they were gonna try to publish ten live service games before twenty twenty six. At least that's what they said in like one of their financial reports. Uh, for like the, the the big records they do like yearly when there's when they like make prognostications for next year. They say yeah by twenty twenty six we're gonna be launching ten live services. So I want to see which ones which ones of those are and uh, at least and at least soften the blow that those are not the kinds of games that i want from them but still they're going to give us the ones that we like i yeah. want to see how they hit, i want to see how they hit that balance i am more curious for xbox though because oh man it's been a rough time <laughs> oh yeah i forgot to mention because i just played it played it briefly and the things that i, I played like, i did play redfall which Oof. you can play with game pass and holy crap it's, i cannot believe it 
I cannot believe how bad it was. Yeah. Like, it's not hyperbolic to say. I think it is the worst high-profile game this year. Yeah. Obviously, because rough. yeah, because there's garbage over in Steam. Like, obviously, there's objectively worse things happening because the Steam is the Steam uh, store is like so wide open and everyone can just shovel a bunch of crap there, but. For Redfall, a game that, if you remember, back in 2021, that was their one more thing closer for for the Xbox Bethesda Showcase of 2021. The first yeah. big Xbox exclusive, like, announced after the acquiring of Bethesda, or the, the whole Cinemax uh, shebang, for it to come out like this, is like, if they were trying to, like, offset any... Uh, like, the naysaying that's been happening that, yeah, they're just gobbling a bunch of studios, but it doesn't feel like they're doing a good job of nurturing how much they have under their umbrella. This was yeah. like, this coming out like it did gave all the ammo needed to show it. It's like, why would anyone want them to keep buying studios? If yeah. this is what, is, if this is what they're releasing. Um, is it because everyone has been shielding? I don't know if you've been hearing all this about, uh, oh, well, I mean, Xbox didn't do really good stuff. I mean, they won the Metacritic, like publisher of the year back in 2021. They were always using that defense of like, no, don't worry. It's like when there the, those games hit. Look how well received those were. But then when you look back on what was well received in that twenty twenty one, it's like oh, uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator, which was just the console release of a game of a PC board, game yeah. that came in twenty twenty. Psychonauts two, which really great game. Not gonna, I'm not gonna uh, sugarcoat that one. That was a really great one. But mm-hmm. that was started development way before. That was like or that was kickstarted back in twenty fifteen. Yeah. Obviously they gave it money for it to like become a little bigger, give it an extra time for it to become better. But that's not a product that was born out of them. Uh Versa Horizon 5, really excellent, but that's kinda like praising with faint like giving giving high praise with faint praise also at the same time because like what is the one franchise that has always been hitting for them during the dark times? The Forza series. And like, how well can you make a car game at this point? Ex- exactly, yeah, but, but that was a really good one. So, uh-huh. yes, you'll get the flowers. And then Halo Infinite, which came in with an 87 Metacritic. It had an initial great start, but we know we kind of know how that game went as a live service. It's like everyone keeps one, and then Deathloop was technically them. And we know that Deathloop is one of those like, highly reviewed games that everyone has been like, now that the time has like settled down, we're like, you know what? That was kind of overrated. So I like Deathloop myself, but it's fun. It's fun. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's it's a fun game. Is it a ten out of ten? No, mm-hmm. not at all. And that's kind of what happens. Like that game got like all the tens and all that. But when the dust settled, you're like, no, it was really good. But ten out of ten, eh, I think we overrated it a little bit, yeah. uh, especially how that it's it's so deceits for what Redfall became. So. Uh, but know, yeah, uh, you know, I think the concept of of Deathloop, at least like we, had, it, it's like the fact that you kind of had to like solve that Groundhog's Day style mystery mm-hmm. and also kill like figure out the visionary puzzles. Like mm-hmm. I feel like the first playthrough ages well, but like yeah. it doesn't have any it's afterwards. Yeah. yeah, it's and and that's the thing. Like the uh, what made Arcane games so great was the fact that even though they were technically linear games, because they were immersive sims, the beauty of the immersive sim uh, genre is that there's many ways that you can make multiple playthroughs of something so fresh because there's always different ways that you can approach anything. And that immersive sim element of Arcane Games was, like, lost in them, like, focusing so much on the death loop. It's, like, it's such a great first playthrough. Once you figure out the loop, there is no... Yeah, there's no alternates for that loop. That's why I decided to not replay that game until my memory is, like, completely hazy so Mm -hmm. I can go through that flow again because the one thing I'll give death loop is that it's so much fun. 
Shooting yeah. in that game is really fun. Moving in that game is really fun. I love Colt as a character. I love Juliana as like a, the back and forth banter in them was like actually really well written. I think I feel you that you're black. I feel like they yeah. represent they represented black culture the way it's, uh, they the characters express themselves in a way that actually felt authentic, so which I appreciate that. It's just more that uh, when you look back at Dishonored or even Prey that felt so malleable and the things that Arcane did best. This was, I always call it, this was Arcane for Dummies, which mm -hmm. I bet a lot of people that reviewed that game was, that was their first real taste of, oh, this feel, finally feels like something that makes me understand a little bit of what Arcane does. And then going back to the better work, it's an even better experience because now the frame of reference is there. The problem with Redfall is that none of Arcane's strengths shine through, yeah. even though even after they promised that it, it would. And I feel bad for we are you know Lord Cognito. You uh, yeah, uh, um, you met you met him and one of the other lords uh, back at PAX. Uh, he previewed that game and he feels so sad that he feels that like he got bamboozled when he went to preview that game, like mm -hmm. to what the uh, actual game turned out to be. Because a lot of people came out a little positive out of that preview, but. They say that they have never seen such a drop off of like the curated thing that they show them and the game that they experience. It's like, did I say I sent you the clip that I yeah. took of the mm -hmm. vampire T posting like in broad daylight? It's like there's just so many things that just don't make any sense in that game, and uh, it's really sad. It literally the week before I was telling Paul in our in, in our show when mm -hmm. Microsoft uh, got their Activision Blizzard deal blocked by the uh, by the by the CMA UK. I was like, man, I hope Redfall is a win for them because they. They feel like you're being on the Xbox side. You feel like you're just taking L's left and right. You do. Like, you do. And that's just an extra L. Now this, it's funny enough. They re-emphasize the showcase they're doing. They usually do yearly showcases. Uh, if you notice that, usually it was like tune in to the Xbox and Bethesda showcase. No, this is Xbox the first time. Now. Yeah, this is just Xbox now. So it's like oof. So it's like they know. They know. It's like. The recent product, it's like they they fall, they stumble into another Fallout seventy six. Mm -hmm. How does that happen? Especially now that you're technically on being overseen by Microsoft, that technically should care about quality, but everyone that says that because they're focused on Game Pass is making them now the Netflix of games. Even though they said that their big goal is that they want quality experiences that they're gonna be giving people with the ease of access of that is Game Pass. It's like at a certain point, it's like we're we're reaching the point of you're getting what you pay for. Yeah. And that's really sad because I hate I, I hate nothing more than the three the big three that is Xbox, Nintendo, or PlayStation. One of them not doing really well. I, I need so. all I need all of them to be doing well because that's when we get the best work out of all the three. Competition breeds excellence. I agree. I agree. Microsoft stumbling like this is like why would Sony even care? Now it's like they're being like they're what they're barely doing anything. They're letting Microsoft just stumble like headstrong into the rakes. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, and, and you're right. And it's like um, on a lot of fronts because competition does breed ex excellence, like iron sharpens iron. There's a lot of, you know, like sayings mm -hmm. regarding um, competition. But like I'm right there with you. I I want all three to be doing well. I also want Xbox to be doing better because like they are the closest people who also make Sony-like games in, in the sense to where like these big budget action adventure single player focused games. And yeah. And if they don't, if they're stumbling to do that and PlayStation is sort of moving towards that games as a service mantra for like half of their portfolio, I feel like mm -hmm. that, that, that niche is going to be overshadowed a bit, you know? Yeah. And the irony with Xbox is that even though they have the capability and the, we know they have the money to be able to do like a Sony style third person action adventure story based game, we only know of one game in that style and it's Hellblade 2. 
which is yeah. obviously a sequel from a game that they took off the market because the original was originally a PS4 and PC game. The Xbox version of that came later, but mm-hmm. then they pull off the big box and acquire Ninja Theory. It's like they still, even with the money, they still haven't released a game of that caliber that rivals the Horizons, the God of Wars, the Last of Us, the Uncharted. No. Obviously, there's many people over on that side of the Xbox. It's like, who cares? It's like, they're all the same games. Like, at least we have variety over here. And I'm like, but they're the uh, same games of quality, though. Yeah, exactly. You know? Those games are quality. Why wouldn't you want to have at least, like, yes, you have all the variety that you can have in all your experiences. Mm-hmm. Within that variety, you can have one of those. It's like uh, Lord Cognito always says, the hashtag just one. Just yeah. the, the hashtag just give me one of those. Since we already have, like, the big gamut of experiences that we're offering. It's like two Xbox benefits, at least them pursuing different kinds of games. That, that adds to a healthy ecosystem. And one that I always say that if they were hitting it with consistency and quality, it would actually expose the Sony side of, like, yes, the things that they're doing is quality, but it's just one note. Because yeah, they're doing sure. all they're they're all doing kind of like the same style of game, which at this point in time is working for them. I mean, God of War Ragnarok is like will probably be at twenty million soul before the year is gone. Uh, mm-hmm. Spider Man is gonna be real like real strong for that. Uh, but I'm glad also Sony's at least willing to dip the toe outside of like the try and true because they know they do that so well. Yeah. And over at Microsoft, it feels like everything is very good at best, just not like a game great. changer or not great. great. Yeah. It's it's like. And I don't know how you could be like excited about that or satisfied with that, unless it's unless it's like oh yeah because you're paying Game Pass. It's, yeah. it's like it's like yeah again you get what you pay for, no yeah. matter what. It's like sometimes that's what it is for sure. And it's also one of those um one of the things that kind of bothers me about the whole scenario and is like worrisome for the long term health of everything. It's like you I want them to like. I want Game Pass games to be good when they come out. I don't want I don't want to see a thieves situation for every single game yeah. that comes out. I'm like, give it to me like good at, at launch. I don't need like ten months to a year or five years with Sea of Thieves to, work yeah. to be good. You G- know? Give me my meat full cooked, not yeah, three fourths. Exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. like, no, don't serve it to me three fourths. Like when I asked you, when I asked you to give it fully cooked, and obviously there's many people that argue that the games as a service model is one that unfortunately like it can never be fully cooked and has to be built upon. I'm like. You're making the choice of making that kind of game. Exactly. So, so, so it's like that's not that, that's no excuse for me. And yes, they're like they did turn around the ship, pun intended, with <laughs> with Sea of Thieves, like yeah. because that game was barren AF mm-hmm. in a way that I remember when I played it back in 2018, which was actually the first Game Pass Day One launch. So I was like, well, it's gonna be in Game Pass. I was like, this service seems cool. It's just ten bucks. Let me try it. And then I tried. It, I was like, what even is here? Yeah. It's like, this is so empty. But after expansions and years of support, it's like they did stick around to that game, and that's one of their most successful, most beloved games. Obviously, the the critical stench of the early reviews because you can never review something on like Metacritic. It it has like a sixty nine nice score <laughs> like in, in the reviews, but that doesn't matter because they reviewed the product that was that was that game in twenty eighteen to what it is now. That even had like a Pirates of the Caribbean expansion, which looked really cool, mm-hmm. uh, like just two years ago, and they still support it. It's like. There's something like it's good that you can uh, turn around a game. I feel like we're the, in the live service era. That has become that is becoming too much of a crutch. It that, really is. Yeah. That, that at a certain points, like some games are just not beyond saving. It's like when Anthem hit and it was a disaster. That was the, but like Destiny and all those games, they're gonna turn the ship around, and it never happened. No. With Avengers, another one that is like, look, the campaign early on was really good, but then the live service was just a complete disaster. But it's like if they keep like 
took tweaking around and like clean up the things that are bad eventually this is going to be a really great game and that ended up not happening it's like mm -hmm. it's like it feels like though people use that crush but i feel like we're past the time where people are willing to give the chance to that oh yeah so. for sure especially if you've had so many of them you know mm -hmm. like if you it, like it's almost like if you were in a relationship and the person cheats on you over and over and over again like you yeah. you, you believe what what's being put out there more so yeah. than what you hear about or, you know? or, or basically it's like you entering different kinds of relationships that all <laughs> cheat on you yeah exactly <laughs> at a certain point you're like fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me so i feel that's where new live services are kind of hitting especially they're all trying to be the same genre mm -hmm. uh, i got in with destiny back in 2014 perfect time for me to get in that is that's my chick basically it's like <laughs> even though even though it can we can sometimes go through some rough patches like what happened with lightfall recently it's not because i have been committed to that for like eight or nine years like i don't need another another of those kinds of games like just give me more variety give me other things that are, are more like fully cooked um, more satisfying experiences from the get-go yeah. why was jedi survivor so damn good is because it was just a honest to goodness single player experience with no monetization at all mm -hmm. and it was just it had the purity of its, of its experience and in the 40 hours that i put into that game from finishing its stories and cleaning up everything else like i feel i got my money's worth and i'm glad like i didn't need, i don't need jedi survivor to be a game that like keeps me entertained for the rest of my life like some there's there's good in finality there's no, something there really good of, like, of, a, of a product that can give you like a full experience that leaves you satisfied instead of one that wants to string you along through years-long uh, content updates for you to then try to squeeze you some money with like expansions or microtransactions. And obviously, there's like games are being are made obviously not just for the art but for the money. But I feel pursuing just that money, that, that long-term money is like it's just leading to this. And yeah. Redfall, clear example. It's like the good thing about even though Deathloop was the first time attempting online stuff, at, at the very least, it's like it was still a one and done. Oh, like, yeah, for like, sure. it's a now compare Deathloop now to Redfall, which they say like, there's like it's clear that it's just trying to do the Destiny thing and Borderlands thing and doing it so bad and just skewing everything that's so that worked so well for Arcane. It's, it's a tragedy. It's like to me, like Redfall is an absolute tragedy that I did not see coming because. I wanted to believe that Xbox would have been smart to not put out a game like this. Oh yeah. Knowing sure. knowing what the reputation has been. And after a year that was 2022 that on the heels of them winning 2021 Metacritic Publisher of the Year, then they delivered their most barren release in the tw in the almost 20 years of their existence. Yeah. And for one of those delayed games to come out like this, yeah, it's rough. Can you imagine what what, what Redfall would have been last year if this is what we got now? It's like it looks really bad. Really looks bad for them, and I can't wait to see how they PR their way out of it uh, when they do their showcase uh, this uh, this uh, on June eleventh, yeah. which is on a Sunday, and uh, especially because they are they cut up the Starfield portion of that showcase for it to be its own thing. The pressure for Starfield, my it's God, immense. it's immense. It's yeah. <laughs> I've never seen it. This is like Atlas holding yeah. the world. That's how Starfield feels because if Starfield doesn't hit, oh, it's good, look, be bad. good, good lord! It's like if this week was already really bad for them, um, especially like when, yeah, that's yes, gonna be rough. Yeah, and do you see the interview Phil Spencer did with the X cast? Kind of funny, or, yeah, yeah. So some of the comments that he was making is like, I mean, I appreciate the candor, but holy crap, that sounds defeatist. Yeah, it does. So and, like, and also, you know, kind of disagree with the philosophy. Some of the mm -hmm. philosophy there, like, oh, yeah. especially the great games. Yeah, the great that's games. Exactly thing. what yeah. he said. Like, even if we make great games, no one's gonna like come over to the platform and such. A, and I was just like, that's not true. I'm no, like, it's like. It, 
if you make great games consistently, oh, yeah. then people are going to look. Oh, yeah, That's the thing. Sure. It's like, yes, it's like just one great game is not going to turn anything, every, everything around. I agree there. The fact that but the things that you should always be striving to at least put at minimum an eight, no matter exactly. what, like, and make that consistent. Then people are going to, when you amass a library, then that's when people are like, huh, it's not just one. There's a few over there. Even if this is not my main system, let me go check that out. It's exactly. like, like, yes, and I do agree that it couldn't have been a worse timing for them to have lost the Xbox One generation when they did that. I do agree with because that was when digital libraries started to become a thing. That's when we knew that from their point on where backwards compatibility was going to be a big thing, which they even started. They're the ones yeah. that pushed that initiative for backwards compatibility in a way that they set the stage to entrench anyone into an ecosystem mm-hmm. that, that almost all your entire library carries over. And that's actually pretty nice. And even on the, even on the PlayStation side, which I didn't have any hopes for backwards compatibility early on. I don't know if you remember when early on in the PS5 when it was revealed, they mentioned something like, we tested the hundred games that were popular and then we're gonna mm-hmm. add them over time. And I'm like, I remember when that happened. I was like, live it. I was like, wait, you're just gonna have like a hundred of those games like available at launch when your competitor basically has the entire catalog. That seems disastrous. And it then does. when we got a launch, they were like, Oh, actually, only like 10 games that you probably don't care about didn't work. Everything mm-hmm. else was like, okay, that's cool because I invested so much money in my ecosystem. So it feels good to carry all of that forward and have like 600 plus games in one system. So It really does. It really does. It's one of those things to where I'm like, I'm I'm right there with you. Like I, I actually play a lot more of my games, like third-party games on Xbox. And it's just um, the fact that I know I'm always going to have it with me. And it's also kind mm-hmm. of what, what everyone knows me for in the in like as far as like review codes go and like mm-hmm. they always like hey they send you the xbox they, yeah. they send you the xbox code more than playstation makes sense yeah. yeah so so yeah it's just one of those things where i'm natively over there a lot but like mm-hmm. like you said i would i would prefer to, there to be a catalog of games on the xbox side of the fence on the xbox ecosystem that i already know are natively going to be good and that i know like people are going to care about like i know like if one and done's i care about them that's my type of game in general but like if you look at like the games that are were on the switch in 2017 and beyond mm-hmm. like they made people care about the switch i'm not even a native like um nintendo, nintendo guy, yeah <laughs> yeah i'm not the like i'll play a couple here and there but like fire emblem is probably my favorite switch game of all time right now mm-hmm. and M- makes and, sense and yeah. th- that's a really meaty really great uh great R- rpg that they made yeah and uh Big, the Switch, big example. The Wii U, no one gave a shit about the Wii U. Still the Wii U, and, and still many don't. And many of those games that they ported over as definitive editions on Switch, now it's like, they're like resounding successes now. Boom. But because it's like, uh, uh, because of course the Wii U just wasn't a great console. The idea, like how they promoted that console was like half-baked. Uh, the whole uh, the deal having like a gamepad that was like an iPad was never like something that was a game changer like Nintendo really wanted it. And the thing that people used the Wii U gamepad more was to like play their, their games kind of like in handheld mode. Yeah. And that's kind of like the idea of like the Switch would be like, you know what? We The telemetry shows that what people are using the gamepad for more is just like the handheld, like the full console experience of a handheld, even though in that case it was tethered to the console that was like re- literally right in front of you. So that's kind of where the Switch was like, no, let's just double down into the things that the, at least the Wii U had a, the nice idea, even though that was not what we promoted for. And now look at the Switch. Nintendo was always great with handholds, so they knew we knew that at least when it came to handholds, people trusted them. And with the Switch, they made their most powerful handheld ever. That just happens to be a console, and they doubled down on games, and especially early on. Is I mean, like 
with I made my diatribe of like what I think about Breath of the Wild, but I respect what Breath of the Wild did. Is like that game resonated so hard with so many people. I mean, it sold thirty million copies alone. Oh. Mm-hmm. Can you believe that? Like thirty million copies. Do, do, do you know how much the best-selling Zelda game was before that? No, what was it? Nine million for Twilight Princess back wow. in the Wii. Imagine it's what the jump was for both making a really cool gimmick this time, a gimmick that worked, and then having that Nintendo seal of quality of like, hey, we we can still make games that then eventually go and inspire many things like they usually used to do back in the N sixty four Super Nintendo days, and. No matter what, it's like it feels like at least when it comes to like big Nintendo games, Nintendo makes you care about that. It's like you're, it's like you're, you're you're at least uh, regardless of what it is, you pay attention, and they did that with hard work. They just uh, and also the nostalgia everyone had for the brand that helped them a little <laughs> bit. But PS3, let's go back to PS3. Yeah, first half of that generation, a complete disaster for them. The 360 was eating their lunch and all that. But then uh, Sony, even uh, Sean Layden, the former. Uh, president of uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment before Jim Ryan took over, crying mm-hmm. Jim, uh, he literally made a big speech uh, back at, uh, I, I think it was at one of the uh, DICE Awards. He he, yeah, he gave like a, ret- a retrospective of like what PS3 was for them. Like P- he said, PS3 was our Acres moment. We thought we were so big mm-hmm. and we're too big to fail in PS2 that we got too cocky and then everything like we lost big in a way, in a meaningful way that hurt our business a lot. But during, the, during that moment of hubris, we came together, we analyzed, and then we reshifted our focus for our business, which was like doubling down on first party. And that's mm-hmm. when, around that time, that's when we got the Uncharted, the Infamouses, the God of War kept going. That was like a carryover from PS2, but yeah. we started getting like, the Sony exclusives started getting more of a weight, had a little bit more of a weight behind it. And of course, it culminated with The Last of Us. And now from that point onward, uh, Sony, like, really, uh, in, during the moment where they were rebuilding, they became known as, like, the the, the, the place for the premier exclusive title. And yeah. that carried them through the PS4 generation, but it started back then. How has Xbox tried to, like, turn the ship around after they went through their Icarus moment with Xbox One? It feels like they haven't had that. They, in fact, they just have to, like, pivot so beyond like what the other ones are doing with like let's try to make everything more accessible and available everywhere that was like the the shift in yeah. philosophy which to be fair it's nice but it's nice like yeah. it's an after feature it feels exactly. like exactly yeah if, 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 if that should feel like uh, an additive that makes the quality of what you're serving even better because imagine if, like if they had games that were of the quality that we know that oh. that's on playstation uh, and nintendo on top of being so consumer friendly and like we were talking when we were talking about Jedi Fallen Order last time I was in the show that mm-hmm. it's like you know that if you're playing on one system like through cloud and it works the, and everything just with Xbox Series X and S and all of that is like that just works that's just so convenient but that's the thing is like at the end of the day who cares about that if you're not delivering like you're giving us all the appetizers mm-hmm. where is the meal where is like the succulent meal yeah that right, always that, that always feels like Meal's not ready. It's coming soon. Meal's not ready. That's how it feels. So, yeah. No, and I, I can't take another like it, it, it's next year, next year, next year, next this like the next year. I can't. Be the year. Yeah, I, I can't. I've been like on that boat since like 2018 mm-hmm. because uh, when because I remember 2017 was the first drought the Xbox had because people forget as bad as the Xbox One early, it was early on, 2013 to 2016 for them, they had games. Yeah, they had that's really the, good ones. That, that's what's so crazy. That is like, at the very least in that period when it was like at their worst, they were in transition. It's like, we got our Sunset Overdrives. We got Rise of Rome. We got Quantum Break. 
we got a uh, Halo Five. We got like at that time, they money had a Rise of the Tomb Raider. They got that. They got that there. They, they got Gears of War Four. They got a uh, Recore. They had the Forza. The whatever Forza was going at a certain year, either if it was Forza mm-hmm. Five or Horizon Two or Horizon Three or Forza Seven. They're all they're all Forza. You exactly driving. exactly yeah. So, but they had a catalog. Mm-hmm. The things that they once that catalog drew like. That's the irony. It's like they had a catalog at the time where Sony was still cooking. That was the irony because 2013 to 2016 PlayStation, people don't forget, like don't remember much how the PS4 was carried by third party and indies early on in that. Yeah, that life that generation, mm-hmm. and because they were letting their big games cook, and because they let them cook, then they had everything served up for 2016 till the end of that generation, and that's when like, they started dominating. And then like Microsoft like emptied their tank way too early, and they never filled it back. No. Which is ironic because they emptied their tank and then they released the most powerful console ever at the time, the One X, mm-hmm. with no games, and like no with literally cares. no games. Yeah. yeah, no one cared. So, and can't believe that's still been going. Like in the tw- that twenty seventeen of like, okay, they focus on launching this hardware. Next year is gonna be the year, and then okay, next year is gonna be the year. Okay, the next year is gonna be the year. Okay, we got a console launch this time. Okay, next that that's gonna be the. They're gonna start with Halo. That's gonna have that. That's how it's gonna. Be like when they're gonna start filing, and they released a console without a game because of the delay for Halo Infinite after Craig, after yeah. Craig Gate, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I got calling. So it's like, I I feel that this fan base is finally I I can't imagine. I always said it's like I like being console agnostic. I like playing all mm-hmm. three. I like maining on PlayStation because that's where I build my library. So it's like I'm just gonna keep focusing. I was willing to switch. I was literally willing with all the the nice things that they were saying. But at this point, it feels like yeah, the very least is like. Sony may be not doing great, but at least in the things that I care about, which is actually releasing games yeah. in a relatively consistent cadence, is like I know I they have my trust as of this moment. Obviously, oh, yeah, they can sure. stumble. Everyone can stumble at any time, but with Xbox, it just feels like come on, show me. Like, yeah. Just do just do something, please. Like do something that's gonna like be ki- Sony. They're the king of the mountain. They're just chilling, eating their mm-hmm. eating their fruit. Like and you're just being the king of the world. And then they're gonna hear like the the battle sirens that there's someone's there they're coming for the king. I was like, Microsoft is not willing to like take like take the shotgun and just come in and blast it to Sony when they totally can. Yeah. I know they can. They did it with the three sixty. Yeah. Where it's, is that fighting crazy. spirit? <laughs> so it's oh, crazy. I you know, I I, I just don't know because like it seems like you know, like it's almost like Marvel had a plan with all their phases and mm-hmm. that's kind of what made more like the MCU great especially like you know during the the Infinity War saga it's like mm-hmm. Xbox almost feels like DC DCEU yeah yeah, yeah. If they, they're literally if you want to make that analogy yes yeah but yeah Sony is a Marvel Cinematic Universe that they planted the seeds at the perfect time and then everything flourished and then DC has been trying to catch up and maybe try to do some different stuff to differentiate and then try to catch up again and we're seeing the results of that. It's like it's, it's sad. Oh man. It really it's, is. It, 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 it really is sad. And uh, and the thing is that the good thing with Microsoft is that they have so much money that any other company would be like in much dire, in much more dire straits. And oh, yeah. from what I understand, they're making more money out of Xbox than they have ever had, which is ironic because it's like, hey, you're making more money when you're barely giving like fans anything, like something to like fully cheer you on. It always feels like it's always half steps. It always feels like it's half promises. It always feels like uh, you see the promise of what's coming is like at a certain point. I feel like 2018 was when they started Goblin Studios. That's when yeah. they they recommitted to be like, oh, yeah, we're actually going to build a first party because before that they only had four studios they owned. That's mm-hmm. nuts because they used to money had everything. But 
since those acquisitions, it's like you would think that with everything they've acquired since 2018, and they're still wanting to acquire, we would have had more than what we had. Oh, and yeah, for sure. Maybe in the future, whenever that future is, whenever <laughs> they get into that cadence, then maybe we're going to be like, okay, we went through that extended lull for them to finally hit this point. Yeah. But when then, like, one of those promises was Redfall, and this is what happened, it's like, how can I ever trust them? Like, how, how can I? Like, it's, it's we're down to show not tell it's, mm-hmm. just, it's a sad fact of, of everything yeah. it's like we can't afford to just take you at your word like even with this conference coming out like i need to get hands on with everything that they're talking about and it mm-hmm. needs to be like sevens and above like at this point yeah like or eight I, and above yeah, yeah i feel exactly. they've been releasing too many sevens mm-hmm. i feel like we need more eights you need your nines like you absolutely need that or yeah. or nines that actually feel like well earned nines because to be fair halo infinite was rated nines by some few but i'm like yeah, that didn't that, that that didn't age well and that's sad for halo which was that kind of franchise mm-hmm. so so yeah that's why i'm like yeah this is now this is the conference i feel more than any other time this is the make or break conference especially yeah. since like all the bad PR that happened for when they got blocked blocked by the CMA, mm-hmm. Redfall launching like this, Phil Spencer uh, making that interview is like sentiment over an Xbox feels so low right now, and that I really want to see what they have in store. Like, what are the yeah. things that show me there's more than Starfield this year? Please, just show me there's more. You had a promising start early on with with that surprise drop with Hi-Fi Rush, but it took one stumble for all of that to be forgotten. Literally, yeah. it's like this is the same year we got Hyper Rush when we were like early on. We we're like, huh? They're able to put this. Hyper Rush was one of the great examples. Of like, okay, they might be cooking now. It's like I wasn't expecting this from them, but yeah. now it just now it just feels like it, it was like you getting Andor after getting Book of Boba Fett and all we want and all of that. So if you if you it feels like that, just like the one blip after like at Sea of Man or so. Let not don't let Hyper Rush be like the only like high point mm-hmm. of this year like please i want starfield to be good like at I least just so. to I, I, at least i just want i don't, don't want like this discourse surrounding xbox because i know the net negative it creates to the other ecosystems mm-hmm. because then they're going to become too comfortable with what they're doing and i already feel that nintendo and sony have become too comfortable in just doing what they've been doing instead of like trying to try Innovate. new things mm-hmm. so competition breeds competition microsoft like make it like microsoft just Fight the proper way. Don't try to buy your way to the top, no. because it's clear that with all this you're managing, it's like we're not seeing the fruits. Like we're just aren't. No, I so. uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I would love to see them get more hands on with studios to where like, mm-hmm. hey, like we want you to the um. I hate I I don't want to stifle creativity, but at some point you're like you're good at what you're good at. You know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Like yeah. I, I don't expect like certain people to make certain games and wouldn't want them to make certain games because that's not their that's not their bag you know mm-hmm. like uh, and you know the the good part about this industry sometimes is like there's a lot of companies like if 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 you feel stifled making one thing and being like harpooned in that you can always move over to another company you know mm-hmm. oh yeah. I, I would prefer to see that rather than like, hey, like, I, uh, well, Arcane, for instance, and I don't want to, I don't want to just pick on Arcane, but like, I would love to see what they can do with like a big budget stealth game, like a bigger yeah. budget stealth game. Then what they even got with Dishonor and Dishonor too, like exactly. take those ideas and like explode it, especially because now you have Daddy Microsoft, which mm-hmm. is funding your stuff, and they don't care about sales, they care about Game Pass. So theoretically, like. The beauty of like what we know about Game Pass is that you should be able to see like more of this creative 
uh, this creative outlet for studios to feel like they can do any game that they want without having to worry about how commercial of an idea it is if it's just Game Pass fodder. Exactly. To be fair, like in the smaller scale of things, that's where Pentiment came. That's where mm-hmm. Hi-Fi Rush came. That's where uh, Grounded came. And that's cool and all. I'm glad that those games in the small in, in the smaller side did really well because those are games that you wouldn't expect from Microsoft, which I got to give them flowers there. The thing is that they shouldn't be the highlight. No. Those, no. Should, they, they, those should be like the highlight appetizers to the main course meal. So... You shouldn't yeah. like the bread with the butter to be the most tasteful <laughs> thing of like a steak, like the one that you get. Like you should, that shouldn't be the thing. So. You're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it's one of those things to where I'm like, I look at, uh, I look at games like High Fire Rush, Pentiment, and Grounded, and I while I enjoy some of those, like I don't, I don't really care about Grounded. But I mm-hmm. I like the other two quite a lot though. Like, I I want. You're right. I want more entrees. I want those to be snacks, and I want mm-hmm. like. And PlayStation on the other side of the fence is giving us snacks and they're giving us entrees. Like if you mm-hmm. look at whether I, you know, like me and you have talked um, offline about this. Like I know you weren't a big fan of Chia, for instance. Uh-huh. Yeah, I wasn't too hot on that one. And oh. I was sad because I wanted it to be, but at least they served it. Yeah. I'm glad and, it's there. And it's, in a, you know, like it's a timed exclusive for them. You know, mm-hmm. like it's Stray the same way. You know, seafood was the same way. It's like mm-hmm. they're still giving you snacks, even though those are third party snacks. They're still giving you those, you know, mm-hmm. high and quality it, snacks. I mean, look at Kina, my exactly. favorite of all of those. So. Oh, I can't wait if we get a Kina Bridge of Spirits. Yeah, I was talking with Paul about that. It's like, I can't yeah. wait for a sequel for that one. I was like, that was such a pleasant surprise back in 2021. Mm-hmm. So. I feel like that's going to be a part of the conference, but we'll we'll talk about all that soon. But mm-hmm. like, I you know, if you're Xbox and th- and you're like, I just want you to do better. Like, I don't yeah. I don't want to like shit on you while you're down or anything mm-hmm. like that. I don't want you to be down. Like, I'm no. an Xbox gamer, just like I'm a PlayStation gamer, just yeah. like I am an occasional Nintendo gamer. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I want all three to do better. Exactly. Like, just- it's like taking away like console like war tribalism, which mm-hmm. to me is so dumb. I'm like too old to like. Be like a part of that tri like the, the 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 diatribes that happen in Twitter of like the those uni senseis the I love you Lord King but I know you like playing yeah. that bit also but it's like that's the thing like when you make that your personality you're just kind of like if, if it's a freaking sport thing mm-hmm. then at, at a certain point it's like you're cheered so much for a company that may not be doing as great as you want it to do like and that goes for everywhere mm-hmm. so I just want great games from everyone and I want everyone to just be healthy. Be, uh, and and in what they do, and not just settle, because right now it feels like Microsoft is just settling on second place or even third place. If you wanna, if if you wanna be, and I feel like I want a little bit more fight, I want a little bit, a little bit more bite, but I want like a proper fight. I don't want you rigging the game. Also, no, <laughs> be like sure if, 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 if the only way to like rig the game is you buying the competition. It's like that's not, especially like if the way you're handling the things you bought. This is what we're getting. But like Redfall is like, no, I don't want you to be fighting like that because you're just like furthering the sentiment that you're not you're just not good at making games which is not true no. i know you can i live the 360 generation an awesome generation mm-hmm. for them so so yeah, yeah do better microsoft do better i'm cheering you on like even though i haven't had a conference from sony for like two years as a main sony player and cheering more for the xbox conference to be like to show like i just want microsoft i really want sony to really be like the analogies to feel like i want those kings to feel threatened because then they're gonna fight for it to stay on top instead of being by default. But right now, it feels like by default they're winning, and that yeah. sucks. That really sucks. So yeah, I understand, but I want to see if 
one game in particular is a winner to you, and that is Horizon mm-hmm. Forbidden West Burning Shores. I want to hear all about it, but before we begin, I want to let people know Horizon Forbidden West Burning Shores is available on, of course, on PS5. It is an expansion to Horizon Forbidden West. If you have, if you you need to play Horizon Forbidden West in order to play Burning Shores, so. Yeah. That said, if you haven't played Horizon Forbidden West all the way to completion, we will be talking about spoilers about that game as well. Yeah. I just want you to know. It's hard to talk about Burning Shores without talking about what Forbidden West, like what main Forbidden West was. So, heads up, people. (laughs) Exactly. So, go listen to Horizon Forbidden West thoughts, you know, know, on previous episodes. Also, go, you know, check out everything that... Al is completely doing on season gaming and, you know, on the X button podcast. If this is where you're signing off to come back later without Mm -hmm. further ado, though, we're about to talk about the topic of the show and that is horizon burning shores. I'm, I am so, so eager to hear your thoughts. So first off, what did you think about the DLC? So I feel it was definitely what started as just more horizon Mm -hmm. was something that was both good and bad because, uh, more horizon school. Like I like and I like Horizon. It's a franchise that I'm. I think I talked about this last time I was in the show. That it's crazy how much I love Horizon, but it's just a franchise that just doesn't stick in my mind. Yeah. Like I like I kind of wanted it to, and at first uh, when I started playing this DLC, I was like, yeah, it's more Horizon, but I'm not. I'm not sure I'm quite feeling it because it's been so long since I beat Forbidden West back in 2022. I feel this DLC could have come a little sooner, but I feel like Burning Shores. It's a small taste of what a true Horizon experience can be just mm-hmm. in PS5. In a way, it felt because, let's not forget, this was a cross-platform, this was a cross-gen game that didn't look like a cross-gen game, like God of War Ragnarok did. That's kind of like the the irony is that, uh, obviously, a lot of people like wanted to use the, oh, because God of War Ragnarok is on PS4, it's, like, it's not as great, like, it's not as grand or as beautiful as it could have been because it's trying to be built on the old console. Like, Horizon didn't have the problem. It's like, it was built on both consoles, but you look at that PS5 version, you're like, good lord, this was pretty. There's, like, some big size to this and all that, but... I feel like Burning Shores is a is a good taste of like what an untethered uh, oh, yeah. from last gen version of Horizon could be, and that shines through more like as soon as you get out of like the first initial areas. Like the the Horizon has always been in- insanely pretty. Burning Shores manages to be even prettier, exactly. and and the very end of that DLC is like the level of scale of that. Only Jedi Survivor has a very similar uh, section that uses next gen. Uh, like a next gen uh, potential to its fullest to show like why these are things that are only can only happen now with the newer hardware that we have, and the story I would say like maybe not super memorable for about Burning Shores, but I, I think it uh, added some humanity back to our main character that wasn't there in Forbidden West. I feel I feel it had a more clear cut villain than mm-hmm. than a more generalized villain than what we saw back in just main Forbidden West. Uh, I feel the flow of levels we had here felt like a more, a nice conde- like, like a, a nice condensation of the flow of Forbidden West into like a nice eight to ten hour DLC, and I just can't wait to see like the things that uh, Gorilla built upon with what they teased us they can do now with Burning Shores for like a full the full on last third game of this alleged trilogy. So it was a much better DLC than I was expecting. I think it's definitely better than the Frozen Wilds, which was the oh yeah. The DLC from uh, from Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, Both had the same problem with onboarding because this is just adding more to what's already there. This is not a this is not the infamous Festival of Blood or uh, 
Spider-Man Miles Morales like standalone DLC. Uh, which those they treat those as its own standalone game, so you can jump there and no problem because it's gonna reacquaint you. Like this DLC does everything but reacquaint you with the nuances of Horizon and Horizon. Mm-hmm. I feel it's not there's a level of complexity to the gameplay that's not congruent to jumping back in just like that and be like, yeah, I'm yeah. just gonna pick up. It's like it's there's so much like, oh crap, as like, I had all these bows with all these different elemental things. It's like, oh yeah, it's like I need to get back into the mindset of killing machines by doing the dead space style of like mm-hmm. i have to focus on this section of the machine and then this other one to like weaken it up or use some elements to start like doing aoe attack like it can it can do like damage over time and aoe attacks to everything around it if they're like affected it's like it's a very complicated game that i feel like many people if they have not been i feel this dlc is the best for people that got into horizon light if yeah. somehow they were playing uh forbidden west a year after it came out around this time uh or were doing their platinum run if they if they drop the game after afterwards like this DLC is like prime for the people that are already in it. I don't think I recommend it for people that have been like long gone and don't remember because it it's gonna be like it it can take a while for it to really click. But once it oh, clicks, yeah. it's just like a, it's to me like the Avatar movies. It's like if you may not think about them, but then when you're in, you're like, all right, this is really great. This is actually really good. And yeah. then when you finish. And big game comes out afterwards, and you don't remember much about it for until you start talking about it. I feel like that this franchise just cursed for that, and that makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, I I'm right there with you on a lot of those thoughts. Um, I echo that this isn't a pick up and play friendly game by any mm-hmm. means. It's one of those you have to you you almost have to re- like make your muscles remember how to play this game. Yeah. So you do have to be in that mindset. Um, I will say I love this DLC. I think this is like. I, honestly, this is probably my favorite piece of Horizon content. Like, uh, yeah, I was really, th- I was thinking about it. It's like I think I really did enjoy uh, the quests that were in Burning Shores more than I did a lot of Forbidden West and even Sierra Dawn. Yeah, it and, feels more focused. It feels very yeah. much more focused, more contained. And I uh, honestly, like, I you know, like I was gonna save this for like the ending of our conversation, but you kind of like brought it up already. Like the way that this is confined almost makes me want more Horizon in that vein of a Uncharted Lost Legacies in a vein, mm-hmm. in the vein of a Spider-Man Miles Morales. Like if we can get like smaller five to six hour experiences, I almost feel like that's where Horizon would actually shine. Yeah, and I feel like it would allow more people to experience them fully. Mm-hmm. And maybe they could launch them at a proper times where they're not like literally being hogging the space of other more anticipated games, which yeah. has, has, it's three they three for three now because did it was anyone talking about Burning Shores when Jedi Survivor came out? No, no, unfortunately not. So, no. not. so it's like they are just uh, they're just kind of that franchise that it just like gets hogged up by behemoths around it, and maybe like a smaller experience like releasing at a better time would be would be the play. For them to because when I really experienced all of this, I was like, that was like a nice, like really beginning, middle, and DLC for this. It's like I feel like satisfied. And I feel that also helped because just taking cues from Naughty Dog, the fact that you have a partner with you, like I almost all the it. time. Love that it. was like, oh, so this is what Aloy needed. She mm-hmm. needed someone that was as strong mentally as she is, and someone that she could like bounce back and forth that can bring a humanity that I know it's inside her. For if, if Forbidden West did something wrong with Aloy, they made her too stubborn. They made they made her too headstrong. They made her too driven, stoic um, as and, well, and, and stoic in a way that I didn't remember her being this stoic in Sierra Dawn. I liked Aloy a lot for her story and in, uh, in Sierra Dawn. In fact, like I really liked the subversion of uh, her trying to reject the 
the white savior mentality that can permeate a lot of like this Native American style like stories that saddle that, that was saddled on her and, and she's just not embracing that but kind of now going for it because that's how people see it but that's not what defines her she's just very driven and I feel that uh, Forbidden West like missed a little bit on that in, in the story that's why like I like the story of seared on a little bit more because it was about finding out where she came from who she is what's mm-hmm. her role in this world and how the world can keep going through after seeing what was needed to be done to reset it with when the machines got like went rampant and all that so so yeah, it's like her having Seika was the name of uh, the partner, uh, yeah, of the, of the partner. It was like, man, it's like, yeah, this is. I feel like I'm playing uh, Uncharted: The Lost Legacy or something on that vein. It's like I like their back and forth. I like how useful Seika can be in combat. Uh, the combat of this game is already really cool, mm-hmm. and having someone else that feels like that. I'm thankful I'm not having. At least when I played it, she didn't have like a down state, so I don't have. No. To, I didn't have to like help her. So if if, if like she could help her on, and I could still focus on the combat at hand and i'm glad that she's with you 90 percent of the time so it's not just uh aloy talking to herself which in forbidden west was unbearable especially with how this game next to god of Ranger, they were like focus tested to death to pretty much tell you oh i think i may have to climb that or maybe if i shoot this thing over here i can do that and so it was like having her being chatty with someone else made more sense than just aloy talking to herself yeah so, and you know, like that's almost like the PlayStation formula right now of mm-hmm. having a companion um, to kind of bounce things off of. But like, yeah. it, it's it's that trying to true formula. The buddy cop, like mm-hmm. the buddy cop thing, works. It's been working in Hollywood forever, and it works in games like mm-hmm. Atreus with with Kratos, like uh, Uncharted: yeah. The Lost Legacy. Even Nathan Drake, like in Uncharted Four, had a lot mm-hmm. of people to bounce off of. Oh yeah, it and that was like the big problem with Uncharted Three, if you remember yeah. that a lot of that game he was by himself. And that is just not as fun when your main character has to quip to himself just to try yeah. to fill up fill up space. It's just so much better to have someone with you, especially in this case. This is Sony's first open world where you have a constant companion, at least the majority of the time. Obviously, there are times where Aloy is by herself, maybe in the way to another quest and all that. But for the majority sake, it's with you. Really glad like the, how it portrayed again like a hidden group that's very close to what was uh, this chick that helps you? Was it Beta? Yeah, beta. Yeah, beta. So it feels like it's part of like that same group that got that she got separated from from like back in Forbidden West, mm-hmm. and again, like just keep world like building up this world, which I feel like it was the strength of Forbidden West. Sierra so Dawn was the story of Aloy. Forbidden West is the story of the world. Yeah, I feel, it is. I, I feel like and and how that world can like withstand like a catacly- another cataclysm that's coming soon. I feel this does the thing that I like what. God of War Ragnarok letting you do after you finish the game. It feels mm-hmm. like uh, it, it keeps what's coming room to breathe. Yeah. I feel like if, if Forbidden West was a little too blatant in setting up a third game. And too abrupt. Yeah, yeah, and, and, like... and, and, and it just ends and it would be like, mm-hmm. yeah, there's another thing's coming. And there wasn't much that you could do afterwards unless you left uh, quests to do. Yeah, I didn't feel like there were more things that opened up after you were done. So, it, so that was so abrupt that I feel this Burning Shores DLC at least keeps... That that it gives that this in between space some room to breathe, and like, it adds I, weight to that. That it makes yeah. you know like the way like Se- um, Seika feels that weight when she mm-hmm. hears about the news that the world might be ending in a couple of like in the yeah. months to come. It adds weight to that third game. It adds mm-hmm. weight to the stakes of that. Whereas exactly. in Forbidden West, it just felt like oh okay, there's a third game and we have another antagonist to fight. Yeah, it was like it was too blade in the middle chapter in a way mm-hmm. that. It didn't feel like it was building to be that. That's what that was. That was what's so weird about Forbidden West, which is why, like, my opinion of it, like, lowered it right at the end. After I was like so high on Forbidden West because 
I like like I mentioned many times, like I love my sequels that build upon the strengths of its pressers, and I feel like this built on the strengths of the systems, the visuals, the world, like the world design and all that. And then the story was like, I'm vibing this, and then it just abruptly cuts, and you're like, ah, oh, ah, oh, man. I and then on top of that, me not feeling as connected to Halo, it was like, yeah, everything was better in this except the story. And yeah. I feel like Burning Shores was like, okay, I feel there's more hum the humanity that I was missing was added here. I'm glad. I feel like this fills up the shape of Forbidden West as a complete product more. Sucks mm -hmm. that you have to add twenty dollars for that to happen. <laughs> but hey, it's like at least they understood. They, uh, Gorilla understood the assignment when it yeah. came, when it came to Aloy. Like they just and and how realistically like, I I can I understand why Aloy didn't want to saddle this burden in someone else of knowing that yes like. I, I just realized that the reason our society is like that is because a some sort of cataclysm already happened. And now we know that there's a bigger cataclysm coming that this far seen as civilization, which is like the highly futuristic people we mm -hmm. meet at the end of uh, mid at the middle and become the focus of Forbidden West, which I really love their sci-fi look. Like that's just the, the contrast of... Uh, they're like super advanced civilization, almost High Republic. That's what's yeah, so funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. if, like if you read the Star Wars High Republic books and then you look at the far scene, you can see where some of those inspirations, like the similarities kind of come from to like the primitive, uh, futuristic primitive style that we get from like the rest of the civilizations on the horizon. Uh, just, uh, just knowing that this nemesis or whatever that thing is called i'm trying to remember that nemesis, wipe yeah. them yeah that wiped them out in another planet and they're trying to find a way to just escape which was like the big focus of the big villain for uh for burning shorts which was played by sam Witwer. oh yeah that's so, so yeah cool. yeah when i when i when i when i entered when when i started seeing his uh face i was like wait is that sam Witwer? a star killer from force unleashed and deacon saint john from days gone so and, he was the one who played on um, walter yes uh-huh yeah, the, the the big villain that had the, that had the mustache. Yeah, Walter La Landra. La Landra, yeah, and uh, and when you're like kind of like in his museum in that section, like I didn't quite like, recognize it was him until we got to see him in the flesh. I was like, wait a minute, that's uh, is the Leo DiCaprio in the in the couch and just pointing the, just point <laughs> just pointing like, hey, I recognize it. And I remember I sent mm -hmm. it uh, I sent it to Paul because he's a big Sam Witwer fan. He was like, wait, what? He's in the he's in this. I'm like, yep, and. Uh, because Forbidden West didn't have a clear villain. Eventually, it made carry on Moss's character, which was it Trilla? What, what Tilda? What was her name? Do you remember? Um, that's my big problem uh, with Horizon. Yeah. It's like yeah, I don't remember those, those names. Don't uh, don't stick in my mind. Yeah, yeah, they don't resonate. And uh, Tilda was like played by Trinity herself, carry on Moss. She was a really mm -hmm. cool character to get to see a little bit more insight into why uh what the civilization that has these weird powers have come from and knowing that she had an old relationship with uh, elizabeth sobeck which was yeah. uh the originator for aloy and mm -hmm. if for people that paid attention to the dialogue because we saw a lot of hand wringing of oh, why is aloy a lesbian like oh look blah, blah, blah. it's like this part of the story they Okay. set up they set up Elizabeth Sobek was a lesbian with yeah. her relationship with uh with Carrie Ann Moss's characters it's like uh, whenever you had the chance to have that moment with Seika mm -hmm. and, and a choice you can make that's not like forcing an agenda that this is part of like what they already set up yeah so and you, and you can kind of like see that um throughout her like uh, like history as far as like the way she interacts with like potential male suitors who are always mm -hmm. trying to like hit on her and stuff like that you yeah. can kind of is the seeds have always been there it's just like we haven't like for the people who didn't notice you just didn't notice mm -hmm. 
Yeah, she know? was just because she was just like pushing her. She didn't rep- reciprocate the feelings with people that you th- you think she would have been with. Like it would make sense for her to be with the the King of Meridian. Exactly. Like the like, King, like yeah. back then, uh, maybe Varl at a certain time, but then that became mm-hmm. that became more of a friendship. Uh, so yeah, the seeds were there, and hey, you have the choice to not kiss. Just yeah. saying, <laughs> like, so you can, even though you know she did have feelings, because the way like Aloy, like it, it brings humanity to Aloy. Exactly. Like, not no, no, knowing that. that she that, that she can have feelings towards something, because before that, we only knew she had feelings to Rust, right? Mm-hmm. The, the 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 guy the that dad. raised her, uh-huh. yeah, the, the 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 dad figure that ended up dying way too early in that, in that game. Then we got, and if I remember correctly, we get like a little. Uh, when she's like in a, having like a dying moment early on in the story, he, she she gets like an hallucination of Rust again, in Main Forbidden West. I will have to play again because I haven't played it since I since I beat it. But uh, but yeah, it's like probably the biggest achievement and for this is finally rehumanizing Aloy for me. That's yeah. probably like it needed. They needed to recenter that because I it makes me wonder like now that we know there's like the equivalent of Mass Effect's the Reapers. With mm-hmm. the third, with a third game coming, with like this, and doing this case is like this threat seems too far out there, and it's not as set up like the Reapers were in Mass Effect. Like, will whatever story they're telling with the Third Horizon, will they be able to like balance out cr- making this existential threat feel real, and keeping focus on the character? Yeah. That now we know that there is like there is something worth exploring towards Aloy as a character, other than just like the people around because. I'll say even though I didn't connect with Aloy in Forbidden West, I did connect with the cast. Like, oh well, yeah, the supporting like, cast uh, was amazing. Yeah, like connecting with Varl before like spoiler alert, he dies yeah, after through the star, yeah. uh, and even the 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 chick that was like the girlfriend for Varl, I don't remember her uh-huh. name. Uh, then Aaron, the guy with the sta- uh, with, with the, the mustache, the yeah. So so and getting to learn more, like Aloy was a good conduit for us to learn more about like the supporting cast and having that kind of like Mass Effect two style. Uh, Building up those relationships and even having a few, uh, the equivalents of the uh, the priority missions of Mass Effect Two that mm-hmm. that allow you, that allow you to build uh, the relationship with those. I like the one that lost his arm, I'll and then you like, him. yeah, and then you like uh, th- through his like uh, companion missions, you get to like re-earn Katalo. like uh, yeah. Katalo I think that, is his name. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the, him like earning the strength to be able to get another arm, like 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 to. Be able to use a metal arm after losing his confidence as a warrior after losing the arm early in the story, so it did great on that. Now we know that that can happen while still we can learn more about Aloy and yeah. at least have someone that she can have those moments. Because if there was something that I really loved about uh, what Mass Effect Three did in the midst of the end of the world stuff that was happening there with Reapers invading, planets being invaded, and all that, like all this heavy war stuff, like the quiet moments of Shepard with introspection, where the toll of everything and the pressure of him trying to say all this like having on him like both psychologically with the conversations you're having i feel like that's something that they need to nail with aloy yeah i wasn't confident they were gonna nail that after i finished forbidden west with how focused they were on everything else but her now after burning shorts i'm like okay i trust them a little bit more that they're yeah. a- that they're able to do that <laughs> so. so so let me ask you one of the one of my key takeaways is just like I love I love Aloy because of like who she is around other characters, not so necessarily her herself, but I'm growing to like her as a character. Mm-hmm. What would you say if like Horizon, um, let's just call it Horizon Three, added a Mass Effect, almost like a Mass Effect or a Dragon Age style of gameplay where you always have two companions with you? 
mm-hmm. and then like then you're always bouncing forth that dialogue it changes the gameplay a little bit but it might give you actually like better story focus better like intensity with the characters yeah i feel that would be a great way to like introduce this now because the end of the world is here with the nemesis yeah you can't do it by yourself that would be a great moment to introduce those kind of companions that kind of aid you even if you're not having the mass effect like open the weapon wheel to like select the powers to and, and have to do that would be cool that could yeah. be like a nice evolution because gameplay wise uh forbidden west is so similar to the original one it's just refined but mm-hmm. if for, for the way that you handle bows the way you handle like crafting and the way you move through the world is like it's just literally the same game just tighter it would be cool to for that third game to not just be even tighter but adding those extra mechanics that would make sense for yeah. because Imagine if it's just the end of the world and it's just alien moving around. It would, I think it would strain plausibility at that point. I feel it would be cool that, uh, especially because you get a little taste of this in the end of Forbidden West when everyone's with you. Yeah, when you exactly. make when you when you make the trek to the final base and uh, depending on some of the choices you make, you may lose one of the companions there. Depending on mm-hmm. who you who how how do you handle recruiting her like in the in back in back in the story and all that. I haven't seen if there's a way to have it like a. Yeah, the one that was like a savage. Yeah, that, uh-huh. Yeah, so in mine, she died. Uh, mine too. Yeah, it it does seem that there's a way to like not recruit her or something like that so she doesn't appear. So it makes me curious to do like a new game plus run and just have different decisions with Regal after you defeat her. And I, think then you, you, I think you have a choice to spare her or like spare her in that moment or kill uh-huh. her. Yeah, yeah, and then and then when you spare her, she joins you. Yeah, exactly. So or she I, ends up dying in the in the big quote unquote suicide mission. So I think so, she was gonna die regardless. It's mm-hmm. like you had the choice to just kill her there or have her killed off later on in the story. Yeah, and it just makes me curious. Like in the moment she dies in the mission you are in, mm-hmm. does someone else take the place at that moment, or that just plays out different? It makes me just want to see if they thought about if they thought about a little bit more uh, how to. How to, how to do how to make some decisions like make more sense especially because yes this game still has the yeah have the different conversations with the different NPCs that are very Mass Effect like or even Witcher like but they're not a like Mass Effect is still the king of like the decisions oh, yeah. that can like really reverberate in different ways throughout the story especially in three games it doesn't feel like we many of the decisions made in the original didn't carry over to this one and it because it's not it's, like... because it's not the kind of game no, no even though it, it could be. It almost seems like they're trying to get closer and closer to that marker, especially with, like, the decision trees in this game and, like, when you were at base, like, the fact that you can run around base, uh, run around the base, have those nuanced conversations, and then sort of, like, um, develop those relationships further if you so choose. It almost feels mm-hmm. like they're trying to, like, flirt yeah. with the idea a little bit more so in Forbidden West. Yeah, I still feel like so many people are so scared of trying to do what Bioware did. It's like... Copy them, man. Yes, copying copy them. It's like it's like what made the Mass Effect trilogy so special was that like all of that had the potential to have so much meaning, and a lot of it had. The only time that that didn't matter was at the end. But it's like someone has made the analogy. It's like think about the interconnectedness of the trilogy, like a triangle or like yeah. a diamond. You start in a point here, then in the middle section, like in this middle, is like can go everywhere, but it has to end somewhere. It has to like all come together because it's, it can't just be like an ever expanded thing. Because then how you you can like account for everything? That's just a nightmare to develop. But mm-hmm. for them doing that, then so many people are like, well, if at the end that your choices didn't matter, so why bother? And then many people has just decided, well, that's what was what fans said. So that's how we're gonna stick to that. And to me, that sucks because that felt like 
Mass Effect was such a moment to be like, hey, this is what can happen. I can't wait to see what others do. Yeah, exactly. Feel like that. But then everyone just decided, nah, see, like, the calamity that was the reaction to Mass Effect 3. We don't want that. Moving on. It's like, I feel the developers is chickened out. And I feel like I want more RPGs that feel like their decisions are meaningful. It's like, I may not have been a big fan of Detroit Become Human just as a concept, but I highly respect that Quantic Dream, like, made a, a game with such... Nah, like insane infinite amount of choices that can really change how things goes like that's why the game took so long to make and obviously because now with game development is like so complicated right now so i kind of see it but man it's you just sucks to feel like two generations ago that was they made it look so easy and now we're here and now we're here where they're flirting with that and i'm like dude don't flirt with that just like commit yeah. Just commit. <laughs> so. Speaking of commit, like I want to talk about Bernie Shores' villain, Air, uh, like the mm-hmm. fact that he was so diabolical that he almost um, Walter Lundra mm-hmm. that he almost like made them commit to a, a being a, in a cult. And, yeah, like, like the way like he makes them commit to his cause, and then the way he kind of like want, pitted off like girls against each other to see who mm-hmm. would become his mate. He, I feel like there is so much like so much like. I guess you could say nuance and layers to his character. What did you think about Walter as a character? Yeah. I just love the fact that we finally have a villain that could be easily hateable. Yeah. Like, because if, when you think about it, it's like, who was the villain of Zero Dawn? Oh, don't even remember. Hades. And AI, the evil AI. Oh, yeah. That, he was a villain. Who was the villain on uh, on Forbidden West? You didn't have a clear one. It was just, in general, the far zenith. Yeah. That then goes back to just carry on Moss because... Uh, you're wanted to fight because you're you're deciding that you're not gonna leave Earth, and she wanted to leave because of the nemesis coming. So, she, and then she decides to fight you with like the big robot, and then you kill her. So, not really a villain. I feel like with 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 this with 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 this one with Walter La- Walter Lundra Lundra, like uh-huh. at the very least, like you understand that some of the things that he's doing are kind of effed up. Oh yeah, like, for sure. with, 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 So it, it gives a face to a villain that then when you fight him at the end. It feels satisfying. It, it feels satisfying when you actually beat him, especially with such an insane-looking boss fight. Oh, that yeah. was that. That was that with like the big, really uh, cool, In the... with the Horus, which is like the big. If you play the Horizon games, you've seen like these massive robots that are just chilling, like in the mm-hmm. in the mouth, or like remnants of that. You actually fight one of those, and knowing that it's just not you against a faceless giant robot, it was him controlling it while being inside. Yeah. Just, made a final the, the final boss battle in this one feel meaningful in a way that boss battles in both Ciordan and and Baserman was didn't. No. Uh, like, let me ask you, like uh the Horus, like I, I'm trying to I picture it in my mind. Would you best describe that as like a big robotic kraken? Because it yeah. Almost, yeah, it feels yeah. like a kraken, right? <laughs> oh yes. And it is something that I keep saying people like if you have a let's say a sixty five inch or like a big ass four K oh, TV. Good. Oh man, this is like if you have been wanting something to really feel like it's flexing that TV, mm-hmm. play this boss battle. Like the only similar, the only time in recent times of something that can only be a, like enjoyed in like a big TV is something that happens in Jedi Survivor halfway through mm-hmm. that game, which is ironic that both games played with scale. And I was telling Paul, I was like, I feel bad for Horizon because they're big. Like uh, the big normal point where people are finishing Burning Shores was, hey, make sure you get to the end. You have to see this boss battle. Yeah. And now Jedi Survivor comes in and be like, "Hey, get halfway through the game. You're gonna, you'll know it when you see it." So mm-hmm. when I play, I was like, "Oh man, it's like that's so cool that I got to experience back to back two things. I got to flex the power of uh, the next generation hardware that we currently have." And uh, 
it was just it was just insane that I was looking at with burning shows. I remember it was like, wow, it's like this thing is big. Yeah, Crap, I, have, I have to fight it. The boss fight a little simple, just like hit some of the weak points and all of that. So I would say like in like if we have to like make comparisons like with recently released things like the way that Jedi Survivor mixes its spectacle with like mm-hmm. the gameplay that with, with with the gameplay around it felt more uh, congruent than can, what you th- th- than uh, than how you see it here in in, in ways. like just like it's just a massive road but yeah just make sure you hit the three weeks points and then you're gonna go in but it's still the, the spectacle of it all like it's just the massive tentacles you dodging around like the game looking so sharp and running so smooth it's just it was just like a reminder that gorilla are wizards with they're visuals. good it's really like, good if, if Horizon will always have something in their, like a feather under the cap as a franchise, it's just being able to do this kind of open worlds, but do them at the highest possible level of fidelity and quality. Yeah. Just like a game that, and especially I have to commend them, it's like because I finally got to play this after they patched the performance mode. Mm-hmm. Back uh, back last year when I played that, I, I actually played it on 4K30 because uh, the performance mode running smooth, but the image was very shivery. Oh, really? There was like, yeah, the, the, there was, I was noticing it. It was like, it was very jaggy, blurring spots. It was like it had like weird dynamic resolution that I was like, "This game is so pretty. I'm really noticing this imperfections. This is weird. This seems weird for them." But then I played it at the 4K quality 30 mode. That I was like, "I love it." That's it the was way like, I played it. As well. Yeah, it was like it's so damn sharp. Mm-hmm. It's actually running well. It's like it's an actual game that they actually optimize the controller to feel good mm-hmm. at 30 frames because I was telling this uh, to Paul in our episode 100 of the Xbox and that. Uh, Jedi Survivor is very similar. It feels like the respawn really tuned the controller to feel really good at the 4K quality mode because there are many games, i.e. like, for example, Cyberpunk 2077. Mm-hmm. It has a 30 and a 60 frames mode. The 30 frames mode feels horrible in the controller. It does. Sluggish. And, uh, and, and uh, the 60 frames mode feels nice. Horizon feels really great in the controller at 30 frames. It runs so smooth at 30 that I always tell the story. My brother has become a frame rate savant. He mm-hmm. plays Warzone competitions. He has a machine that can run Warzone at like 200-something frames. Mm-hmm. When he was watching me play Horizon one time, he was passing back when I was playing our big con- controller. He was like, man, it's looking really pretty at that 60 frames. I was like, dude, I was like, I'm playing at a 30. He was like, wait, what? Yeah. That that tells you sometimes, like, if you have really smooth 30 for the frame rate savants, are like, a game can only be playable at 60 frames nowadays. If it's 30, it's just garbage. It's like, F off. It's like... You just said 60 frames doesn't make a game good. No, no. If it is nice when a game, like, you can play a game like that, but there are some developers that put the work for that to really, for a game to really feel good to play at the highest possible resolution. Credits to Guerrilla. They fixed the performance mode. So getting to play it now at 60 frames with an image that feels so clean that it's, like, it's so unrecognizable from the 4K mode, which I'm, like, that's, even though I know it's less of resolution, they did something because this looks so sharp and the fact that it's running this smooth they're wizards over there. And I'm glad that they really fixed that within the year. Oh, yeah. And then the the character performances as well. Like, the way Walter looks, the way Aloy and um, Seika... An- Still anime. the greatest oh, facial animations between, like, conversations in an open-world RPG. It's like, it's, it's like, that's not a... That's not up to debate. It's like, no. this is, you can objectively look at this. It's like, you can maybe have problems with the art style. I know, like, for example, my buddy Paul has... He has big hang-ups with, like, the aesthetic... I don't oh, understand. Really? I don't understand why. Mm. Like because he's so anti caveman. Oh, I actually but, love it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, to me, this is not caveman at all. Mm-hmm. This is like the kind of like 
post Native American, like like a Native society, kind of like trying to reach modernism, but still kind of like being like in between mm-hmm. and being with robots next to it is what elevates that aesthetic because obviously i'm not a big fan of like far cry primal for example I that is pure it. that that is pure caveman this is not that but he has that hang-ups and i make the joke that he hates women but that's just a big <laughs> joke for, for that <laughs> and he can't yeah. defend himself but uh no you're right though it yes. is it is like a sharp contrast in in the way they dress um mm-hmm. it almost reminds me of like there was a show called the 100 that yes was, oh yeah i love it, the 100 but the cw is 100 it. Yeah, it reminds me very much more so like that than it does like a caveman show like the Flintstones. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly, yeah. Because it's like when I think caveman, exactly, I think the Flintstones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but it's not even close to that. And uh, yeah, the, the 100 is actually a really great analogy to it because there's like the high futuristic stuff. And then when they go to the planet, it's like it, it's like this uh, primitive, but not really like advanced primitive. It's how, yeah. I, like, I, I, how I like calling it. So, so yeah, it's like the aesthetic has always been one that I really vibe in. It's Kind of like what I was mentioning to, to me, like in the Sony stable, to me, Ghost of Tsushima and Horizon are basically the same game, mm-hmm. at least to the core. The dressing is once a samurai game, and the other one is a it's a native style game mixed with sci-fi, and that just buys with me a little bit more than just a straight up samurai. But both games are really good. So let me that ask you a it, question. Um, we, uh, you know, I want to get back to Bernie Shores and mm-hmm. I want to talk about like some of the new mechs that you get to fight and get mm-hmm. to like explore to one of which is the water wing, which is like the almost yeah. like a, a almost an underwater pterodactyl kind of. And then, the yeah, that allows one. you to swim beneath like near the, oh, like when you're so like, cool. I, I, I really like how they introduce that, especially because you, you get one of those with, uh, say, sorry, say with Seika. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it's like this gameplay sequence where you have to be going because you don't have your breather. She mm-hmm. has it, so you constantly have to be like going up and down. And there's like potential lasers that are gonna hit you because there's some like anti-aircraft thing that are happening so cool. in this game. So it, it, I was like, that's a nice uh, evolution to the flying mount, which mm-hmm. I would say is like, I really love that the flying mount is like so primordial to be able to be used in this thing because there's so many like uh, separated shores between water in yeah. in, in this DLC, obviously. You can do the God of War style, like let's do a boat and go to boat or it's about why would you do that? You have you have a flying tur- mount. You have man. a flying mount. So the flying mount that made like per- like being being able to move around the very end of Forbidden was really cool. Sucks that it was near the end mm-hmm. and I had already done everything because had I known that I was gonna get the flying mount so late that I would have just mainlined and then have the rest of the side quests uh, done yeah. so I could just fly around everywhere. But I am very OCD with games that I know I'm gonna platinum. I like to do all side stuff at once. Yeah. And then just get my platinum trophy right when I roll credits. I understand. So, I, so yeah, so I want so that, a, another one um, they released is the bile gut. It's like the frog. God so, damn it, the freaking frog! That's, it was hard. Yeah, so because those, those are one of the ones that you fight at first, uh-huh. and if you're just going, coming back to the game where you forget about the flow of having to constantly be like sliding down, like knowing how to scan enemies to know like what are the perfect spots for weakness to use specific weapons and all that. Like getting to fight one of those like early on was like, they're really cool looking. Holy crap, this is tough. This is kicking my butt at normal at, at the normal difficulty. Eventually I got the flow. Once, once you get back into a flow horizon, it flows so nice. It's just, it's, it's just uh, mentioned it before. It's just a really hard... Uh, game to pick up and play immediately, even though it feels like it could be. Yeah. There's just there 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 just it has so many intrinsic like depth to it uh, that it's more of an RPG than you would think. Oh, easily. It's so it's it's so um 
it's it like it i always keep saying it, if, if you're only doing the combat in this game where you're just like shooting an arrow at anything just to try to well down the health of a robot the game sucks mm-hmm. it just doesn't feel good and that was what i was telling paul he wasn't being a point when he, because paul had a long problem trying to get into this game and i had to really explain to him. I was like think about it like dead space yeah think like be thoughtful of where you're gonna shoot a robot how you're gonna shoot it Make sure you mix things like the clicking the right stick to get like the the zoom get in the, the, the zoom in slow mo to mm-hmm. get to make every shot count. And obviously there are times where it gets a little too hectic that that cannot happen. But that is exciting. That that to me feels very exciting because it's like hectic. Like as a robot's jumping on you, you're mm-hmm. like just rub moving around, holding the circle button to do the long roll or the, or pressing the the sprint and then press square to do the slide the and sliding. then you start aiming and then yeah. start doing the the slow mo things. Like to me that's a really exciting part of the combat. But I always like I, I always keep in mind that I can't be too hectic about it. Like I yeah. have to really always be thoughtful. I think that's where the strength of this game is, and why it's so hard to pick up if you if you stop playing and want to go back to it. Yeah, that's... and I think that's what differentiates it from Monster Hunter in a way mm-hmm. because they're two very similar games if you really look at it. Yes, but and Hunter... even it's even harder to yeah. pick up Monster Hunter because there's even more complexity there. Yeah, for so... sure, for sure. So, you know, the bow gut is like a, a giant frog mech that kind of like mm-hmm. also has several stages to its attacks. It, it can mm-hmm. like eggs. It can like spit out the... the yeah, the freaking necks that you did. The, the, yeah. the things that they pursue you is like, I was trying to prioritize because those things can re- be a real pain in the butt. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so. With the electrical attacks and everything like mm-hmm. the, So it has that. It can shoot out the poison. It also can jump at you. It, it's like... It, it to me feels like uh, like this is where gorilla was kind of flexing his creative like vision in, in a way to where like this feels creative it's a it's a form of an enemy that can like close the gap fight far away as well like i love the fact that it's so varied and I'm, i want to see how creative they get in the future because this is a really cool example of like mm-hmm. how creative like some of these enemy types are oh yes and and i feel they have they really have that in them it's like mm-hmm. i feel like again it's like i feel like gorilla is like as a studio, because of when they release their games, they kind of remain like an underrated studio. Like they're really good; they do really good work, and they just deserve at this point. Now that we've gotten the two games and now this DLC, and you can even add Frozen Wilds, which was good. It's just I pre- I much prefer this DLC way more. Same. Uh, the only thing they're missing now, a proper release date where they're the only thing in town. It or needs to be least... a summer release at this yes, point. Make it exactly. July. Or... Make it July yeah. where there's nothing else. Mm-hmm. Like, just make sure that the, that Horizon as a franchise doesn't have to hog space with other franchises that are more tried and true, that ha- that they already have kind of like a built-in appeal. And But it was weird because Elden Ring did, technically didn't have built-in appeal, but that was just more the Souls... The Fromps of kind of like Cachet had been like building up. So that aided that aided in that and that was just a big hit surprise that's why poor horizon forbidden west didn't stand a chance last year for that but uh but it feels like they they just need to finally be just the only game in town yeah. that's the only thing they're missing and another thing is like just make the best story possible because the gameplay is already there like yeah. like you said earlier like all we're missing now is like narratives yeah. like if you and make- i know they had it Zero Dawn had it so it was like forbidden west was just a weird step back there when everything else was just so much better it was so. uh it was like the age of ultron to where like it, it was always like it couldn't be great on its own because it had to build so many other different things like mm-hmm. a rising for ben west had to build the nemesis it also had to build regala story it also mm-hmm. had to build like 
um what we actually saw like later on with our foundation with like i can't remember what the tribe's name in the in um burning shores what were their names um, yeah that, that, and again and try to make things that stick to the mind more so exactly. you have to look you have to keep looking that's what's so weird about horizon it's like again like a game that is so objectively great mm-hmm. that misses the stickiness the queen the queen the queen yeah exactly yeah. so so, so, so yeah, it's like it's like they, they they they're missing stickiness, and I wonder how much that is because they're hogging the space that they're like hogging is always shared with something else. So your mind may not like always just linger on this one thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's like it, that's make it memorable too, though. Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's like you you can only have that excuse for so long because like in the end, like you're always going to share it with something. Maybe not like the bigger bigger things, but mm-hmm. like. You need to make your experiences as memorable as possible. And that's the one thing I will say against Gorilla, like, and like some of the writing there is just like, if you, like, if you, you're not going to be Breath of the Wild, you're not going mm-hmm. to be Tears of the Kingdom, you're not going to be like games yeah. like that. But like, if you make a story like that, you, then people have an argument to say, like, hey, that's at least this has the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You, I'm like, stand out in another way. Like, it's almost like what Phil Spencer was saying in the XCAS interview. It's like, uh-huh. <laughs> stand out, but like, you know, he's, I don't agree with that philosophy for him, mm-hmm. but like, in that context, but you do need to stand out on your own. You do need to like find something that differentiates yourself yeah. other than gameplay. Exactly. And especially because the gameplay, like, if we flash back to Zero Dawn, uh, mm-hmm. when it came out next to Breath of the Wild. Zero Dawn was taking the Ubisoft Far Cry formula and putting it in a way prettier package and a really cool sci-fi story. But at the, at its core, it was an old-school style open-world game. Uh, Breath of the Wild was like a game that why people championed it so much was because at a time when open worlds were, uh, were all following that same Ubisoft formula, here came one that swam against the current and showed, exactly. hey, it's like we don't all have to be doing the same thing. We can, uh, like, we can show you the how... There is beauty in own player authorship, obviously with a little bit of uh, of telling you. Here's the main objective, begin, and how you do that. I mean, if you follow a thread, you can go get your divine beast and all that. But they give you the biggest like objective that you know how you reach. How you reach that is like it's completely up to you. And as you reach that, then you can have your own discoveries. And that's why like the conversation about Breath of the Wild was so loud because. Because the game wasn't telling you the things that you were discovering. People were, like, discovering by themselves. And just, like, old-school gaming was people sharing. It's like, look at this thing that you found. And everyone was like, wait, wh- where was that? That was there? Let me go check. I was like, wait, while I was going to go check the thing you showed, I found this other stuff that wasn't there. So it was like, uh, that conversation became why Breath of the Wild was so big that it didn't matter that the story was, like, sober bones. It didn't matter that no. maybe technically was not, like, the, bre- the, the, the visual splendor that was that was Horizon Zero Dawn was because at a design for, from a design philosophy it was just doing something different that now many people are are are, uh, are kind of like yeah they're similar we already saw that with Elden Ring that's kind of like taking that idea to the next level and Horizon has been has stuck with the Ubisofty of it all I and, like that but just just amplify your story like exactly I, exactly so it's like. It did do that well. And people, you can always say, is like, they do Ubisoft games better than they do Ubisoft games. The problem is that they're still making Ubisoft games at a time where people are already clowning Ubisoft-style games so hard that even though they're making a really, really, really good one of those, it's still one of those. So it's like, that's not your differentiating factor. And then when Forbidden West, at this time around, didn't have like a memorable story either. Yeah. On, to, on top of releasing a game on a style of game that... Because Elden Ring was like a reinforcement of like, yeah, Ubisoft's open world games, that's dumb. It's like, 
Yes, they're going to keep doing it, but that's not what players want. Players want this other stuff. They needed to differentiate themselves and be like, hey, there's a, the story of that thing. Like, you have to see it for yourself. That's, like, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did, Forbidden West didn't have that. So them doing m- a much better Ubisoft game wasn't didn't move the needle. It was like, yeah, it's like, we know what it is. We know, exactly. like, it's like maps that are, like, you have your towers that you can, like, then unlock, and then it unlocks the map. There's some question marks. You follow the question mark. It may leave you into, like, a quick activity or maybe a side quest and all that. But it's, like, discovery is premeditated in Horizon. And, like, Ubisoft Games is, like, Ubisoft Games tells you, just go there. What is there? Find out, but we tell you that's there. Yeah. Breath of the Wild and Elden Ring was, like, we're not giving you any question marks. Just by the own design, the old diegetic way we're designing this world, you're going to find those things that we could have told you were there. And it just feels cooler for the player because, like, I found that, even though it was designed for me to find that. But they trusted the, the they, they trusted their own design chops to be able to to make to empower the, to, to empower the player with that. And we had that conversation. I feel like the next evolution for open worlds will be whoever keeps that player agency as you explore things. But the narrative is like high caliber. Yeah, for sure. And it's one of those things to where I'm looking at like. I don't even expect every game to be like Breath of the Wild or um no. or Elden Ring, but I mm-hmm. would like like if you can make this type of game but with like um a good example would be like Far Cry three New Vegas. Like mm-hmm. that that to level of story. Or people... you mean Fallout three New Vegas? Yeah, New Vegas, yeah. Far Cry three Yeah, I said Fallout. Yeah, yeah, Fallout, huh? Yeah, um but like you know, you make that kind of story that people remember because that's what a lot of people remember about that game, about that that expansion is yeah. that the story of exactly in new vegas a full new game but it was technical an expansion because it looks so similar to fallout 3 mm-hmm. it made such a much better story with more meaningful like great consequences that's why like it was able to stand out and it's considered one of the all-time great rpgs yeah it mean, was how they per- per- how they portrayed this, their story just do the same thing with horizon just make a game with a really good narrative with some consequences you know like almost mass effect to this thing and i feel like you really stand out in your third game. you know what's ironic the writer for New Vegas wrote Zero Dawn and Forbidden West. You are kidding me. Yes, Jose Gonzalez. Yeah. That is insane. Like, it's, it doesn't feel like it. It really doesn't. You're right. Maybe <laughs> so it's, because because of maybe why. the structure, because if, if they're trying to do a kind of story in a Far Cry style Ubisoft game. Maybe yeah. that's why. It's not like a full on RPG. So, mm-hmm. but he was the one. And I have to credit him that at the very least, I have to give credit to the world building. Yeah, it's great. The, world, yeah, building. world building is great. It's just narrative where. Uh, we got the personal story out of the way with Sir Don. That worked great. That was mm-hmm. great back then. We had a more broader, less memorable story with Forbidden West. You got to keep the broad and the, and, and the intimate, like be able to like mer- merge it together. Yeah. We know we, we know they can do it. We know they, with Bernie Shores keeping it more smaller, like more personal, worked for me. Like it's still like, he left a better, better impression of the characters than usually. Like, hey, I remember Seika this time. I this, is not, this is not, this is not, that tells you a lot. Like yeah. it, it, it tells you a lot that uh, that this is not a game that I had to like look up in in Wikipedia. Say, what's the name of the mustache guy? Is that Aaron? Okay, what was the name of the black dude that you helped mm-hmm. in, in the original one that followed you at the beginning? Oh, that's Barls. Uh, uh, there's many things that just don't stick in my mind. I mean, the Carry On Moss character, like I think it's Tilda. You can look it up. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so and and even Silence, which R.I.P. Oh man, I was uh, that, just that, about that, to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah I was like. Um, I wasn't realizing how much it was going to, like, hit me like a truck seeing him. Mm-hmm. Like, because he's the first character you meet in this DLC to kickstart the DLC. And what makes it sad is that it, it is so clear to me that there were big plans for him for the third game. Yeah, for sure. And for sure. 
I know that because I want to believe in that there's some, <laughs> how can I say this? Uh, that there's integrity in Gorilla, that they're not going to AI their way out of this. No, that, no. Yeah, that, that they're going to like accept the fact that we lost such a great actor and something's going to happen in between uh, games where they're going to write him out. Yeah. Right now, I'm in that awkward spot where in Destiny, like, Savala, which is, like, who was voiced by him, they record some things ahead of time, so I have to hear new stuff from him for a little bit, but I also have to see how they're going to write out what's basically the face of the NPCs of that game. Wow. It's like, so it's, like, Lance Reddick, like, such a powerhouse, like, an absolute powerhouse, and the few work that he did, the little work that he did in this was just a reminder of that. It really and was. He only that, had two scenes in this whole thing, really. That, and, and, and it still made an impression of, mm-hmm. like, man... He was able to do so much with so little. If I had a little bit of a disappointment with Rabin and West was that I wanted more of Silence. Mm-hmm. He was so early, and then we only got to see him like near the end when he was like so prominent in the original in, in the original one. So if the third one would have given us more, it's like it's so sad. And uh, unless they keep their model and try to recast the voice, but that would still feel weird because to be fair, because Aloy is not uh, they model a different actress, but Ashley Birch does the. The voice, that's the voice. So maybe they could go that route, just like find someone like maybe David Ramsey, like John, <laughs> John, John Diggle, like, uh, yeah, and and just just the voice, but, but keep like the character model. But we'll see, like, they have to figure that out whenever we get this third game and however long that takes. Maybe so. so. Uh, it might be a case to where, like, you know, like she i don't know that we could speculate on that when it's closer when it gets announced but like yeah i i really do miss him i really do love technically we're already we already got a quote-unquote announcement from yeah that's true from, yeah that's true. i was just waiting for a trailer a, a tra- yeah, a trailer actually seeing it with a name with an actual name yeah. yes we can speculate that uh now we know that they're making that third game and a multiplayer horizon game yeah. that we knew was like in the works on top of knowing that there's a remake for horizon zero dawn that was kind of like tease that I, I tell you, I don't think the gorilla's doing the remake, right? They're not. No, uh-huh. it, apparently it's like they're only it, they're kind of overseeing someone else is trying to do like the visual remake of that, but mm-hmm. that still feels so. It feels achy for me because I. It's too new. It's too new. It looks good already. Mm-hmm. Like I tell you, it's like when I finished Burning Shores, as I was waiting for uh, Jedi Survivor to launch, uh, I popped in Zero Dawn again to kind of like start a fresh run. I was like, I'm kind of like in the mood. I'm gonna go back to this and. Uh, some faces look weird because the facial animation is probably the thing that got the biggest uplift from yeah. Zero Dawn to Forbidden West. But in general, Zero Dawn is still one of the greatest looking games that you can play right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. At that PS4, especially since they patched the 60 frames per second uh, for free mm-hmm. on the PS4 on the PS4 version. It's like what a remake could do, only that t- trying to make it look more uniform with Forbidden West. It's like... You can say it's like, well, that's what Naughty Dog did with The Last of Us Part 1. Difference there was, that was a 90-year-old game. And even then, like, as much as I really liked that remake, that was one of my favorite things that I played in last year's bearing release schedule uh, because they just don't have asset. Mm-hmm. Like, from visual, from visual quality, Last of Us Part 1 was really good. It was still something that I'm having a hard time saying that it was worth the effort. It's like, I'm glad that it turned out good, <laughs> but it's, it's still something that is like, the remastered version of that's still pretty good. It was like you could have have it as that, but with Horizon it's harder because it's a much newer game. But we'll yeah. see when they we'll see when they when when they when they release it. But what's so, what, I do feel that 
maybe Horizon, if, uh, the Horizon as a franchise is being a little overestimated by Sony in a way. That they say, like, yeah, it's like, Horizon is such a strong franchise that it can, like, handle a remake, a multiplayer game, and a third game. And a rumored MMO that's being done by NCSoft and the Netflix show. So it feels like, I like Horizon a lot, but I don't feel it's like kind of like, if it, it's a franchise that is worth this extra, like, spread. No, this extra pollination. No. It, it, feel, it feels like a franchise that should be respected a little bit more with, like, the once-in-a-while release. As long as the once in a while release is properly timed and not next to like an all time great video game, so. it almost feels like they should have all this stuff should have been announced after the trilogy was complete. At least let the agree. trilogy be, be complete for that. I got I got two questions for you before we mm-hmm. um conclude on this um Horizon for uh, Burning Shores um deep discussions. I wanna I wanna talk about the setting of the game, L.A., mm-hmm. and then I want I want your the overall recommendations. Do you think this is worth twenty dollars, and do you think people should get it? So, what did you think of L.A., and what do you think about the game overall? Is so, it so at first, my initial impression of L.A. was, I feel like I'm in the San Francisco map again. It's same here. So <laughs> it was like, that's why my impression was like negative at first. I don't even remember when we started it. I was still in my middle of my Star Wars kick, and I was like, I tried Horizon, and I went back to Battlefront 2. <laughs> That's kind of how I was, because it was like, okay, this kind of looks like uh, like like San Francisco again, so visually, it didn't like immediately grab me. It's just when you go deeper in that you're like, okay. I see, like I said, when you go, when you see the Hollywood sign, mm-hmm. when you go into like the Jurassic Park place, and oh, even some, so of, like, cool. the, it's, it's some of like the inside places, you're like, okay. They are able to find the uniqueness out of this very similar looking place. Uh, eventually, it doesn't make a, a great first impression. If you, especially if you had the last part of that game is in San Francisco. That's like where you do the final quest before you go. You move into the end. So that's why, like, initially it was like LA didn't make a. I feel the Frozen Wilds at least looked initially much different. Yeah. That I will give Frozen Wilds more. Is that then when you start like diving into the quests and the characters and all that, like to me, LA becomes like second nature, and then eventually is visual splendor when you find like the fire. That's yeah. when you're like, okay, and the Hollywood the, sign and everything. Yeah, when when I see the fire and then like some of the insides, like the the museum for uh, for for Walter and oh, uh, yeah. and and, and kind of like that ship that you go inside it like to go to go scan and then the, it shuts down and then you get like, some of the enemies that come in. But that's when you get the uh, automatic weapon. Mm-hmm. That is like an auto rifle. I love that's, that. Yeah, and that's what I was telling Pose. Like, it's so good that you can like combine. It's like if, you, if someone's from far away, keep using your bow. Someone mm-hmm. gets up close and personal, and get that Boom. thing in, and just like sh- sh- shoot them. It's uh, almost like a shotgun. Is yeah. kind of what it feels like. And yeah, it's like an auto rifle shotgun. Mm-hmm. Like a quick, quick to shoot, but like a widespread. So which makes sense because the bow and arrow has to remain like a viable. You know, it's the majority of the weaponry here. But uh, yeah, L.A. Not a great first impression. Eventually, no. it won me over, but. I feel like maybe they could have had a better place for I, it to. Uh... I was hoping, yeah, I'm right there. I I was almost like hoping they would do more like a Seattle type because they'd at least give you a lot of like different locales to kind of work with or something, or even maybe like... more rain, like a more overcast and all yeah. that. It's like it just looks so similar to San Francisco, so that's why I was like exactly. Or even Mexico would have been cool, like to explore all of Mexico and kind of see what what, what it would have given us there. a little bit more desert. I would have preferred that. Yeah, because because here's my thing, like. Me that I am from El Salvador, getting this like beaches and green tropical things don't <laughs> resonate with me because I feel like I'm looking outside. <laughs> I like things that don't look like what I see. So I have a big trouble with like tropical. Like to me, how I say this, it, like your game has to be so damn good that I can get over the fact that you're in a place that looks like 
my backyard. So, <laughs> or like 30 minutes away from me. It's like, that's, that, that's always kind of like my bar. Mm-hmm. The game just becomes so pretty and then eventually has like some unique places to look at that then it it was able to overcome that initial bad impression for me. It's like, mm, it's like, not feeling that I visually is like, I'm not sure about this. It's like, this is not distinct enough. Like I would have wanted, but uh, I as for, yeah, as for, I, if I recommend it, I feel 20 bucks is pretty cheap for this. I, I totally, think this, I think this almost could have been a full expansion. Almost. At 40, I, I think this could have been a 40 because I know that I have a bunch of side quests that I didn't even do. I just mainlined this, but out of necessity, because I needed, I was getting ready for Jedi, mm-hmm. but it was like still getting at eight, eight to 10 hours out of this for, for 20 bucks. Not full, bad. Uh, like full, full, two full days of play through. Like I've, they didn't have to work those days. So I could just dedicate time to those. Like, I was like, yeah, it's like, I feel satisfied with what I got out of this. This feels the length of this feels like Uncharted: The Lost Legacy. I'm not yeah. even kidding. Yeah, and that's even more expensive. That was even a more expensive game. So, like from value proposition, I feel like they price it right. Big problem with this is you can only access this DLC after you finish Forbidden West. Yeah. So sure. that and if if Frozen Wilds had an advantage was that the DLC was inserted before, like sometime way before the final battle of of Sierra Dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, because. Uh, Frozen Wilds is like something that, yes, you could get your ass kicked if you decide to go there early, if you haven't installed, but it's something that you can access. Yeah. Because of when it's censored, and maybe it doesn't feel as essential, but it was more Horizon. In this one, at the very least, this DLC does feel a little bit more essential, but it also comes like with the caveat that you have to be Forbidden West yeah, at first. Mm-hmm. And your mileage may vary with how you feel about Forbidden West. I really like that game. It was my third favorite game. Of twenty second of, of yeah. twenty twenty two. I know your your yours was God of War, uh, Forbidden West, or, or, or Forbidden West, and this Elden and then Elden Ring. Me was initially God of War, then uh, Elden Ring, and then uh, and 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 then this one. So it's like I still like fundamentally liked it. It's just more that I feel again. We know Horizon yeah. it resonates with us, but for some reason, some other people may not resonate as highly with this, or this may still like it. It just depends on how you're feeling about more Horizon. Mm-hmm. Because that's that's kind of like what it is at its core. It's just that this more Horizon is really good Horizon. It's it probably is some really of the good. Be- it's some of the best Horizon you the Horizon has had. So I would say, yeah, I, I I like I told you earlier. I think this is the best overall story Horizon has presented us as as mm-hmm. an overall narrative. I think like it, it shines. I feel like there's not a lot of bloat here. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like there's a purpose to almost everything you do. It doesn't yeah. feel like you and you never had a fetch quest. Mm-hmm. So I'm like. Everything yes. about this game felt like it was trimmed, like trimmed meat. All the fat was gone. Everything yeah. about it. And even bad. one that may have feel like a fetch quest, which is you getting the things to be able to scan the the water. Uh, oh yeah, but that was quick. the waterway. But like that was like mission. so quick. Yeah. There, I played more like annoying fetch quests in Horizon than yeah. this one. <laughs> so this one is like it feels like Horizon distilled, and there's mm-hmm. just something so cool about a distilled experience, and that's why Burning Shores is again mileage may vary. It all depends on how much you really like Horizon. If you do enjoy Horizon, I say give it a shot. I'm the same. So. If you do, if this like if you don't really like Horizon as a franchise after the first two games, this ain't gonna change your mind. Yeah, because it's just more of that. So mm-hmm. one more of a game you probably didn't resonate with, like it's not gonna make you resonate even more. Though I would say that from a spec, if you really want to see like, a really cool spectacle, I tell you, I, I feel that final boss fight is worth the price of admission, or mm-hmm. just to give you an idea of what you're like 
bulky ass PS5 well <laughs> can, actually uh, can actually can actually do like untethered from any like last gen stuff like I told you, it was a, that was the first time this generation uh, that I thought I was like I feel like finally I'm seeing like what this generation can really do and I forget what how impactful that can be because yeah. you reach up in, in, in the initial years of a console generation you sometimes plateau with that yes yeah, like this looks familiar but it definitely looks better to like oh so this is what can actually happen now and you feel you you, th- you feel like those things can never happen, and this was a reminder that they still can. Mm-hmm. So, and getting that with a similar looking big scale moment in Jedi Survivor, like a week after, I was like, oh, I'm eating good. I'm eating good with like the current gen stuff right now. So, normally towards the end of the show, I'm getting into the habit of asking all my guests what game they would recommend to people. But I feel like yours would be Jedi Survivor right now. Like right on that money absolutely like totally even even with some of the technical issues i would say i recommend it in console pc mm-hmm. keep looking digital foundry keep like looking tweets like assess the state of that of that version that version is not good wait that, until I, it gets better I, yeah yeah wait yeah. until it gets better on pc but on console absolutely i even with some of his technical problems like especially if you're a star wars fan i'll say this because i feel like we, we had that conversation with jedi fallen order it's like as a Star Wars fan, that elevated the package that was half-cooked in some areas, but it was like a nice first step. I feel like Respawn this time made a really great game by itself. That nailing Star Wars that was a great cherry on top last time is an even bigger cherry on top with this one. Oh, that's so, nice to hear. That's great to hear. Yeah, so yeah, definitely Jedi Survivor. Total, highly recommended. You can read my review over at SeasonGaming.com. And then once you're done playing that game, if you want like a spoiler cast that talks deep or some of my deeper thoughts... You can look at episode 100 of the X button available now. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. So that's a good segue, you know, like where can the good people find you? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter at A underscore Josegovia. They can find me on Instagram at Alejandro Segovia93. And they can find me, my podcast, at the at Escape Gaming presents the X button over at, uh, at Spotify, Google Podcast, uh, Apple Podcast, many different services that you can find podcasts and also on youtube which apparently now if you put things on youtube you can now start creating podcast playlists from youtube yeah. so i started doing that today i was like oh i'm gonna like take the playlist and smooth it out and be like yeah the, the podcast is available there on youtube now and my written content at seasongaming.com currently i have my own blog called the critical corner.com haven't done much writing stuff <laughs> there so you find my stuff at season gaming <laughs> for sure for sure so what are you going to be playing for the next couple weeks so Right now, I'm going to try to push Wind Waker as far as I can. Mm-hmm. And then Tears of the Kingdom. It's Tears like Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, it's, it's just going to consume my life. I'm going to review Tears of the Kingdom for season gaming. And uh, then after that, it's like, we'll see when I beat uh, Tears of the Kingdom. If it's around the time that Diablo 4 comes out, maybe I'll start playing that. But then my next big game will be Final Fantasy 16. Yeah. That comes out on June 22nd. So I'm eating real well, real good this <laughs> summer in a way that. I haven't eaten in the summer. Like, probably the last summer that I sort of eat, ate really well, but it was still like, well, at least it's something was 2021. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's when we got Returnal, we got a Resident Evil Village, we got a Mass Effect Legendary Edition, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, had the Lane of Zelda Skyward Sword. I would say, like, decent, but yeah. this feels like we're getting, like, the big real meals. meat, <laughs> the real big meal that you would usually receive early in the year or for the fall. Mm-hmm. That's so fun. That's yeah, so, so fun. Uh, and so, I can't wait for you to finish Jedi Survivor. I'll get right on it. I, you know, like I, um, I told myself, um, I, I'm doing these series of deeper discussions episodes on on games such as, um, uh, such as the one we're doing in this episode. Mm-hmm. So, 
one of the ones I have coming up is Metroid, and I decided I was going to play my first ever Metroid game. And it's so, if you fin if you finish Metroid Prime Remaster, hit me up because I reviewed Remaster <laughs> earlier this year. So for sure, for sure. So yeah, I will finish that, and um, hopefully, I'll finish that in this yeah. this week, and I will jump back on Survivor. Yeah, and I really want to hear your thoughts on Metroid Prime because I got to review that game having played the GameCube version and finished that GameCube version, so I could like see it on its terms of what it uh-huh. was you're looking at it as a first time ever. 2023 yeah. player so i really want to hear what you think so yeah for sure for sure so i will definitely let you know everyone be on the lookout for that episode coming real soon in the meanwhile i've been sebastian that's been alejandro you can catch me at the single player experience podcast you know where all your favorite podcasts are available and such like that you can catch Alejandro at Season Gaming as well as all your favorite po- favorite podcast platforms with the X Button Podcast. We have have been the best combo that you'll find on the internet, and we're out. Peace, everyone. Hasta la vista, baby. So that's a wrap for today's episode. I want to give a special shout out to Alejandro Segovia for being on the show today. I also want to let you know about the Single Player Experience Discord server. It's the perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations. Think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers. The link to join will be in the description. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game that you think should be recommended or that you think I should talk about, let me know in the Single Player Experience Discord server. I'll see you there. Before we go, I just want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace!